The following views expressed are those of the speakers and do not represent the views of DOD Arts Components. Pay attention because you are now listening to Permission to Speak Freely. 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 Is that like a is that like a preparation dance that you do in the beginning before we start? Yeah, man. I, I get my motivation together, man. Get me pumped up, which is it's easy to do, you know, to get me motivated and pumped up. It ain't hard at all, yeah. man. It's not hard. Really easy. What, what, really easy, what kind man. of shirt is that that you got on? Oh, man. It's just like a, you know, uh, I want to say it's one of like the rock shirt, man. But you Oh, know, it is. It is the rock. It's the yeah. hardest worker in the room. It says, it says the hardest worker in the room, which is not, I mean, it's it's... You know that's pretty, pretty much how I roll. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is the rock. Me, I got on. I man, I damn man, I, I'm plugging this like not even a minute into the podcast. I wasn't trying to do that, I, but I, I got on a D guts. Uh, don't give up the ship apparel shirt, and then the back is actually pretty cool. Um, but I, I'm not gonna turn around right here. But somehow, somewhere on a podcast, if you watch YouTube, um. You know, you'll see the back of it. It's 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 a pretty cool uh, back of the shirt. Uh, Dory Miller, uh, the cook that like really stood up and fought. One of our heroes that we talked about at some point on a pot um, is on the back of this shirt. So shout out to D Gus. I got a whole bunch of. He got really good apparel. Uh, I got some good stickers, some good apparel, and stuff like that. Normally we start, we talk about our weeks and stuff, man. I'm gonna be honest with you. My week was just normal. You know, just the regular. Uh, we might have a a truck riot or something like that. The uh, State of the Union speeches, um, and then just the regular, you know, trials and tribulations of being an SEL, man. You know, normal stuff. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I, I had a couple things happen this week, man. But first, I want to start, man, by saying D guts. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I like a little apparel too, man. You know what I mean? I like to, you know. You know, throw something on and sh- you know show off too, man, a little bit, man. So D Gus, I'll let your D-Gus boy. He said man. you gotta break that. Uh, he said you gotta break that money out your pocket, man. <laughs> yeah, man, I got it. I got it, <laughs> he got man. The I links, got it. Man. Matter of fact, <laughs> hey, go check out. Hey, don't be like Damon, guys. Go check out dgutsapparel.com and get yourself some D Guts Apparel. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but hey, yeah, man. Before so, before we start, because I don't want people to see and not hear for Way too long, but we have somebody else kicking it with us um, today. So if you're watching YouTube, I don't want you to be like, who is this person just oddly looking while these guys are talking for like 20 minutes? So uh, I'll let you introduce yourself. Who do we have the pleasure to be talking to today? Oh, man, I am uh, I am Wine One Ann Guyman. I am a reserve sailor. Um, I did six years active duty as an FC type. And uh, we're going to be talking today about a program I, I started a couple years ago. So just now I'm standing by until we get to that part of the conversation. But it's great. It's, it's, it's like it's like real time listening to your podcast, definitely. which is great. So it's like, ooh, being part of the magic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You see, kind of see behind the hand of the magician and realize there's no magic at all, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so Damon, so... So yeah, me, man. Let, let me intro yeah. you, man, because... You know, I'm in the house, right, with my wife. We watching um, uh, the worst uh, the worst roommate ever, right? It's on Netflix, right? Worst roommate ever on Netflix, right? Knee deep into a great episode, I get a phone call from Ella, and you can take it from there. 
Yeah, so man, so I'm on a ship. I'm in Hawaii. So for the last two weeks, I've been back and forth in Hawaii on ships out there. And um, so I get this phone call uh, on a ship. Well, somebody just said you need to go talk to you know talk to Master Chief. I'm on the, on the ship, the uh, command Master Chief. I said, oh, okay, what's up? what's up? So I get in there and they say, hey, um, your son got hurt. And then, you know, I'm like, and first off, I know I got a, my, my son is, you know, he kind of, you know, a little tough guy, whatever. I know it, you know, going to take a lot for him to be like, whatever, hurt or whatever. So you calling me on the ship, I'm thinking it's pretty, you know, pr- pretty, pretty bad or whatever already. That's my mindset. It's got to yeah. be pretty bad. So then I get there and I'm trying to call, first off, <laughs> the they, the phones weren't working on the ship for another 30 minutes, probably. They were trying to fr- figure out what was going on with the outside lines on the ship. Imagine that, right? So, Finally, you know, they got they got everything up. Um, so I called and um my wife was like, Did you get the pictures? I said, No, nah, I can't get no pictures. I'm out to see right now. Cause I like to see. Um, I ain't get no pictures. I said, Well, yeah, he got hurt. He was at the house doing some stuff and, and whatever. And um, so I found out, you know, he was, you know, playing around on a fence or something and, and jumped down and, and got his leg caught mm-hmm. on the fence. Now you know, first I'm thinking, okay, yeah, he got, you know, got some stitches or whatever the case may be, right? So um, I still didn't see it, though, and, and Ella just told me it was, it was bad, but she said, it was, you know, he was all right or whatever like this. So I get back the next day in there, man, and um, I see the picture she sent yeah. me. Dude, that shit was so freaking bad, man, that I was like, oh, my freaking goodness. And I got a lot of scrapes and scratches and cuts and stitches all mm-hmm. over me, but I don't think I got nothing that bad on me already, man. I'm talking about this thing, like Ella was telling me, like the guy in there looking at his bone to see is his bone good, man. Yeah. From the yeah. cut. It was that ugly, man. It was, it was, it was ugly. So now, now it made me rethink everything that we do at the command because she can't get in touch with me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? She cannot get in touch with me while I'm out there. So now, and now it made all of us think my whole chain of command thing, and like how we go, now we gotta f- come up with something to figure out how we're going to do this when some somebody needs to get in touch with us out there. She got to, she got to call you. You a million miles away, you know what I mean? To call you and get what you did your thing, of course. Um, but it's just the fact that that's how it got to happen. Yeah. You know, for her to get in touch with me, man. So it, it was a lot going on there, man. But that was, that was pretty rough, man. Rough experience, especially when I saw the picture, you know, you could talk to somebody on the phone and they try to downplay it. He okay. He okay. But once I saw those pictures, man, I was like, oh, my goodness. If Then they would say if you would have caught it in a different location, it could have been, you know, worse than what it was, man. So, you know, but he's all right, man. He's freaking trying to talk to me back into him trying to get back in playing sports again. I'm like, no, nah, it just happened like a week <laughs> yeah, ago. You got, you got a, wait, like right? 16, 17 stitches in your leg and all type of stuff. So, yeah, yeah man, that was not my, that's how my week, you know, um, started yeah, off. He definitely it was pretty rough like that, he, man. He's he gonna have to wait for um, a little bit, right? Yeah, it was he, rough. He can't just, you know. Yeah, he's gonna have to wait. Yeah, he's gonna have to wait for a while, man. If we start putting pressure, because it's, it's like in his calf. Yeah. You know what I mean? So he tore a lot of stuff up in his up in the um calf, man. So he'll be a little while, man. You know, tough ain't got nothing to do with that, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you you gotta you gotta hold out. Yeah. But yeah, man, that's how my week started, man. Other than that, it was pretty pretty good week, other than yeah, him. So you know, so my um, you know, my recollection of this, right? Uh, others is, you know, we we watching the documentary. Not me, but Angeline gets the phone call from Ella, and Ella, you know, she trying to, she's like, hey, do you know Damo? Do you know where Damon is? 
how to get in touch with them, stuff like that, right? Um, so I got a couple of people to shout out, right? Yo, dude, I, church and state, bro. Like, so I stopped everything I was doing. I called everybody that I could call, right? Right. So uh, my, my first phase is making phone calls. So uh, shout out to the good brothers mm-hmm. at, at like Two Dummies Podcast, right? I called them. We supposed to be setting up a podcast to, to, to record together. And I'm like, man, I got to call y'all about an emergency before this. Because when I, I know it's bad, right? I know it was a bad injury, but no matter how bad it was and look, I, the way that I thought it was, was like 100% worse. I thought it was like a band of brothers, oh, yeah. bone out the leg, you know, injury, <laughs> the way Ella, you know, the way it yeah, was yeah. coming out. Yeah. So I left, I came in here and I started like just doing stuff. So I wound up. So then I remember that <laughs> I don't even know if I can say this. I remember that I'm a I, I have MFAS access and I could pretty much find anybody I want to, you know, if I become a part of your UIC. <laughs> so I became a part of your UIC and I found yeah. like people at your chain of command. So I found a warrant officer. Um well first I called, believe it or not, I called Rob. <laughs> so and, and I mean, and I guess that's yeah. what Rob could have made, and I guess that's what connects. Uh, I'm gonna call you Anne, why and one. Yeah. I, I guess that's what connects Anne to you know our podcast because I think she might have discovered us around that time. Mm. But Rob helped, so so I called Rob, and Rob was the person that helped, right? So he called another Rob, right? So it was funny just talking to two Robs at the same time. But he hooked me up with another Rob, yeah. and the other Rob started making phone calls. But I'm impatient, so that's when I got on in fast, and I found one of your warrant officers and he told he told me what yeah. ship you were on right he but he told me you were on a Wayne Meyer right so wrong right wrong ship, ship. so i found uh. the Wayne Meyer and i called their master chief and that's why i want to start giving some shout outs because uh Gary Byram, man, Command Master Chief Gary Byram. And this is the kind of stuff we always talk about, like when we say we love the mess and stuff like that, when it's doing what it's supposed to do, right? So I call uh, uh, CMC uh, on a Meyer, uh, Gary Byram, and I'm like, hey, you know, my boy, he's expected. He called me back. It was funny when he called me back. Because, you know, at first, yeah. so I sent him this long message about how DJ was hurt and like all of this stuff. And then he texted me back and he was like, what's the guy's name? I'm like, oh shit, like I didn't put his name in the thing. He was like, no, but you said you got to expect on board. And I think like when he heard my voice, he automatically like warmed up. You know, he was like, and you know, the shit going on, you know, when they got inspectors on this motherfucking ship <laughs> or whatever he said. So then I was like, oh, all right, cool. So I gave him your information and he's like, I really honestly don't know if he's on here or not. And I, I thought that was weird. I'm like, damn, like y'all just running amok on, you know, on these destroyers, man. It's a small <laughs> ship with a small mess. So he, man, he did his due diligence. He's the reason why I think the uh, the William P. Lawrence is a ship that you were on, right? Yeah. So yeah. he's the reason yeah. why y'all got the phone call, I think. He called all the CMCs and he, he got that CMC. He hit me back. He was like, yeah, I think he's not on the Meyer, but he's on the Lawrence. So again, man, I want to shout out to Gary Byram, man. He he really, man, he took that ball and he ran, you know, to the end zone with it. Yeah. And somehow we got in contact with you and um, you were able to, you know, get in contact with Ella and see what's going on. But I, I'm telling yeah. you, man, I thought it was like the way, like, so... It was a bad injury, like I said, right? I don't want to downplay the injury. Yeah, yeah. But I'm yeah, it was thinking bad. I'm about it was to bad. see his bone out his leg. Yeah. 
And then when Angeline showed me the picture, yeah. I was like, damn, that's a deep cut. But his bone ain't out his leg. I, so, I, so I was happy about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah. yeah, so that was... And that, and that's how she got it. And that's how she got it too because she wasn't yeah. at home either. She was at work. So she had to call somebody else to come like get him or whatever and take him to the hospital until she got there or whatever. And the only thing she sees on, on whatever, thinking it was on FaceTime or something, thing she sees yeah, she, was yeah, all the yeah. blood coming out, all that craziness happening. Yeah. So... And she it was, was crazy she was shook. Too, she was kind of shaking, man. And I and I was listening to uh Tyra yeah. and Angeline talk, and it was weird. Like Angeline was asking her like these like really literal like questions. And I'm like, damn, like I like I'm like, damn, I was learning a lot because I was like, I would not ask any of those questions at this moment. But but Ella was answering. She it seemed like she was frustrated. She seemed like she was more in a state of shock than anything, because she got like, I think your mm-hmm. son was in somebody else's care. And I think that's always the Yeah. yeah. Weirdest yeah, thing is when your definitely. kid is in she wasn't there. somebody else's care. Uh, really quick, um, when I was growing up, my mom had a friend, and her friend's daughters stayed at the house next door. They did a uh, they spent a night because they had friends, and the house caught on fire. And her friend's daughters were the only two people that died in that fire. The rest of the people in mm-hmm. their family, you know, got out the house, and the two daughters died you know, passed away. So it's always, huh. I'm always, I'm somebody that's real kind of like uh, sketchy about having anybody in my own care. And then I'm also somebody that's sketchy about anybody I love or anything I love being in a possession of anybody else. Because I know at that point, it's a lot of responsibility that's, you know, given up, you know, but, uh, most definitely, but, um, why and one, how was your week? Anything noteworthy from your week? Yeah, actually, um, I just got back to my civilian job because I was in Naples for the last month dealing with, you know, the the Eastern Europe, Russia thing. So kind of got back out of jet lag. And then uh, I work overnights at the brewery. So I've been just trying to catch up on a normal sleep schedule for the last couple of days. So but yeah. no, it's been nice to be actually back to normal for me, at least. I mean, I don't know how much experience y'all have had with reserves, but it's always just trying to like getting back into the swing of day-to-day life when you go on extended AT. And that's crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Cause you leave and you got to make an adjustment, right? And then you yeah. come back and you got to readjust. Mm-hmm. And then the well, job, yeah, and, um, I'm listening. The job, no, go ahead. The job is always good with it, right? Like the job is never, you never mm-hmm. had a job where, where it was like, nah, nah, we, we don't want you here if you can't, you know, be here, yeah. you know, all the time. Yeah, no, I, um, uh, so I work at New Belgium Brewing Company, and um, I let them know ahead of time because originally I was supposed to go for two weeks to Africa um, for an exercise on Compass Express out of East mm-hmm. Africa, and it's something that my unit puts on every year. It's one of the big Africa exercises that gets put on, like Mogami, Cutlass, African Lion, and um, stuff started kind of popping off with Russia. And I just told my boss, I'm like, listen, like we also support Naples at Naval, uh, Naval Command Europe in in, in Italy. And I was like, listen, like if stuff starts popping off, they're going to, I know they're going to play for, for Naples. And they did. So it was like two days before we were supposed to be finalizing going to Africa. They pulled me and a couple of our other guys to, to support for a month in Italy. So, now when so you, they've been, they've been super good with flexibility. When you go over, are you doing your job? That's like good. actually the job of a YN? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, for the actual exercises, it's kind of like they, we don't have a whole lot of people. So when I went to Africa this last summer for exercises, 
I was doing like supply and admin and PAO stuff and kind of I'm LPO. So I'm corralling all of my enlisted guys over like seven countries trying to make sure that they're all doing what they need to do. Um, but when I go to Naples, I was working in like J1 so or N1. So doing admin for the GIF MIC this time, which was really nice. So, and I was also, you know, standing watch on the watch floor and that kind of stuff too. So it was, it was kind of an interesting, um, you know, I, I, I was not always a yeoman. I was a fire controlman. So having to learn a rate when you only do it one weekend a month or yeah. for, you know, a month at a time is always kind of interesting, but um, no, the, the Naples shop is great. Like I've, I've been there enough times where I know most of the people there. So it's, it's always really helpful and they always kind of answer my questions. I can just do a deep dive and do what I need to do. So, so. did you become a yeoman before or after you transitioned to reserve? Uh, after there's, there's surprisingly not a whole lot of was text in the reserve. Um, and because of that, the advancement yeah. is pretty garbage. Mm-hmm. And, um, at the time I was like, well, I want to go get my, I want to get my degree. So I don't want to have to pick a rate that I'm going to have to go to a school. Um, especially cause I'd already spent almost two years with FCA and C school. So I'm like, I don't want to go to any more Navy schools. So the option really was Yeoman. Yeah. So I, I was an FC two when I joined the reserves, I took the YN two exam to solidify my rate. And then the next cycle I was up for first. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of had to do it that way. And how long, how long so. did you say you were active? Six years. So you were active six and you've been now reserved five, you said? Five, five about, yeah. Okay, so you had about 11. I'm trying to practice my math. You had about 11, right? <laughs> yeah, thereabouts. I uh, I just re-enlisted last year, so that'll get me to 15 and I'll finish up. Okay, and you're so. shooting for 20. Have you ever thought about coming back, you know, over to the active side? <sighs> I, Whenever I'm actually doing reserve stuff i'm like man i wish i miss active duty like i feel like active duty is actually easier than reserves because you're just it's your every day you know you're in it you don't have to worry about starting is stopping you don't have to chase junior sailors down trying to get them to do the stuff they need to do um but with our my my wife and i's plans of stuff i mean i was saying like my my wife's finishing up their dissertation right now Mm -hmm. so the places that we can practice uh is not really like a good fit to be moving around all the time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so that's reserves is easier that way. Cause I can always just go off and do AT or mobilize and they can stay in one spot. Yeah. Now did we your did. wife's profession play a part yeah. into you going reserves um, in the first place? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah um, I was, I mean, I had a great time active duty. I really did. Um, I've, I've been able to experience a lot of stuff that I feel that, a lot of sailors haven't ever been able to experience in my time as active duty. Um, but I do think there's something to be said for like still being able to do Navy stuff, but also getting to grow in this other profession and have time for full-time school and, and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, so, um, they're, they're getting a PhD really kind of solidified that. (laughs) Yeah. That PhD (laughs) gets you out of active duty. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. Like, and it's funny cause we have a friend of ours who, um, he was active duty as a air force, uh-huh. um, enlisted. And then he commissioned cause you go in as an LT if you have a PhD. So he actually commissioned in the Navy. And so now he is a Navy Lieutenant, um, as a psychologist, um, uh, in Norfolk. Is that, is that a path for you for officer? Um, I would like to try and make chief first before I start putting in any other oh. kind of package. Oh. Um, just, I knew I, li- I, feel, I knew I liked I, you. I knew I liked you. 
I mean, I feel it's kind of like a, it's the bullshit, you know, versus the bullshit you don't. And I really feel like I get the Navy enlisted bullshit a lot better than the stuff that like officers have to deal with. Mm-hmm. So I feel a lot more comfortable yeah. in this kind of lane that we're in. Most so. definitely, most definitely. But you know, it gotta be a pretty good gig though, right? Like, like you, you, you reserve, you get to go out two weeks, maybe a month, maybe whatever like that. Then you get to come back and do, mm-hmm. you know, your regular, regular stuff that you still got there seeing the world. A lot of times, that's what we join mm-hmm. for anyway. You know, go out, see the world, see things and stuff. So um, I was going to ask the same question. On, on I know you, you were a six while, right? When you first came in, like you signed, you signed up for six years in the beginning when you first came in. He gave you that, yeah, old, so, that old school talk, man. Six while, six while, I was like, <laughs> six, six while, my man. Six while. So yeah, that's what I was going to ask too. You know, um, because I know you guys' rating anyway is pretty good. For advancement, when I, you know, you say FCAC too, right? FCAC or FC? uh, yeah, I was a uh, FC, just straight up FC. Yeah. I oh, was FC, uh, okay. Tech, okay. so conventional FC. Because I know so, which, one, which I love, and it's actually go ahead. No, go ahead. Because one thing I do know about that, um, the the money come in when you reenlist is 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 just pretty good. So I knew it had to be a good reason for you yeah. to get out. Because I know the money is is real good for FC when they reenlist. PhD. Oh yeah, no, not not for <laughs> conventional FCs, unfortunately. Um, and with SeaWiz, it's actually funny because I got into. Oh, you said brewing, not for conventional. You know, as a, okay. No, not for conventional. No FCA, absolutely okay. regular FC like SeaWiz or you know, Five Inch. They're like they're not conventional. Mm, oh, okay. Um, but uh, no, it's actually funny because when I was in San Diego, I was uh, on USS Milius out there before they did a home port shift. Um, I was about to get out and I didn't want to do when I got out. I was like, well, I want to go to school, but what for what? And I um, ended up going on a brewery tour at Stone Brewing Company down in Southern California. And I was like, all these motors, all this cooling system, all this pneumatic stuff that they're working with here in the brewery, I already knew how to work with because I worked with it on SeaWiz. So I was like, oh, well, I could work in a brewery. That makes a lot more sense. And um, my wife got into a grad program here in Colorado, which is where I am. And um, Colorado State University had a fermentation science major that focused on craft brewing. Like we've got two breweries on campus. So I was like, perfect. I can just do school full time and then get into into the brewing industry. So I feel like I do more sea whizzy type things during my day to day stuff mm-hmm. yeah. um, and more of the admin stuff when I'm a young. So how so, long yeah. before the home port shift what, did you leave the Milius? I left Malleus in December of 2016. Okay. So I think they had like six or seven months. Like they were in the process of getting everything finished. We had just gotten out of the yards um, for a, uh, I think it was, I don't know if it was Aegis upgrade. It was some type of um, combat systems upgrade that they had to do. So I was getting off right when that was finishing up and then they had to do their sea trials and then they home worshiped it. Did you know an ET, uh, Anthony DeLuca? DeLuca sounds familiar, but I don't, like, I'm not pushing a, a face to the name. Come on, DeLuca, man. You're supposed to be known, man. People asked about you, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> That's my boy, Tony D. Hey, mm-hmm. before we continue our conversation, I do want to say that it's Women's History Month this month. And just, mm-hmm. hey, shout out to mm-hmm. all the women out there. Uh, that's just, man, just doing great things. I know that I couldn't function without women. And I got, like, probably the best feedback. I always say this. I get the best feedback from the women that I work with, you know what I'm saying? Because the dudes, most of the dudes don't ever really feel like they need to say anything. If they pissed off, they'll punch a wall or do whatever they need to do and we'll get over <laughs> it. But the women, they gave, I've 
received the best, most critical, most honest um, feedback from them. I think the egos would, you know, the guys kind of get inflated. So they probably think like, yo, I'd rather slap senior in the face, you know, before I tell senior how he could do better. You know what I mean? Because I, mm-hmm. I, I like hearing that. But uh, so, but I mean, I can't lie, man. I sat down with my GSC one before. I've sat down with some EM ones, EM twos, EM threes. Just anybody, YNs now and an AA senior. This, this, that. You know, you could do this. You could do that better. You do this. I'm even getting now. You know, the the women I work with now they even telling me when I'm making bad health choices. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like if I'm eating the wrong, <laughs> if I'm eating the wrong food, you know. I'm like, yeah, you know. I'm like, yeah, you know. I, you know, I gained a little weight. I ain't been eating healthy, and they like, yeah, we can see that, senior. So. So I, yeah, so I I love all of y'all. Like uh, I, and then it's like, man, we got some really gritty, hardworking women in our military, man. And um, and even on the reserves, I'm seeing a lot on the reserve side. I'm seeing a lot on the active duty side. And y'all, the people that get them screws turning all the time. So I love and appreciate all of you. So shout out to women's uh, all our women, um, in the armed forces, all our women and our families that we love and. Uh, uh, shout out to Women's History Month. Yeah, most definitely, man. Big shouts out to um, Women's History Month. Uh, so with that being said, man, it seems like it's a setup for me right now <laughs> to get right <laughs> to get time. right into <laughs> our uh, hero, right, of the week, man. Our hero of the week is uh, Leanne Hester, right? Um, she was born January 12th, 1982 in Bowling Green, Kentucky, right? So she was a sergeant. So I'm going to get right into the the citation. Um, The president of the United States of America authorized by the act of Congress in July 9, 1918 to amend it it by the act of July 25th, 1963. She takes pleasure in presenting the Silver Star to Sergeant Leanne Hester, United States Army, for exceptionally achievement during combat operation in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom on 20 March 2005 in Iraq. Sergeant Hester Hester's heroic actions in Iraq contributed to the overwhelming success of multinational uh, core Iraqi mission while serving as team leader for Raven 42 Bravo in the 617th Military Police Company, uh, 503rd Delta Military Police Battalion, Airborne 18th Military Police Brigade. Sergeant Hester led her soldiers on a counterattack of anti-Iraqi forces who were combusting a convoy with heavy AK-47 assault rifle fire, PRK machine gun fire, and rocket-propelled grenades. Sergeant Hester maneuvered her team through the kill zone into a flanking position where she assaulted a trench line with grenades and M203 rounds. She then cleared two trenches with her squad leader where she engaged and eliminated the three anti Iraqi forces with her M4 rifle. Her actions saved the lives of numerous convoy members. Sergeant Hester's bravery is keeping with the finest tradition of military uh, heroic and reflect distinct credit upon herself. The 503 Delta Military Police Battalion, Airborne, the 18th Military Police Brigade, and United States Army. Well, she was in the fight. Yeah, man. In the freaking fight right there, man. On the ground, boots on ground. Um, And not only like boots on the ground, she was leading from the front, right? 
And that and that's that's the biggest thing, you know. Anytime you're talking about fighting, period. Anytime you talk about war, we always think about guys and this and stuff like this. But now, you know, you look, you read this stuff, man, and believe it or not, man, um, we don't hear enough about this. This type of stuff right here about the women in combat and what they be doing. Um, over there doing these wars and stuff like that. Seems like we just don't hear enough of that. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be honest. Like, I didn't pre-prep, like, and read her citation, you know, when we decided to talk about her. And I didn't know it was going to be a combat, you know. I, I knew it was yeah. going to be some way combat-driven, but I didn't know it was going to be that much. Like, you know, her in a fight, her shooting, her leading the pack. Like, that's, you know, that's beautiful, man. I'm, I always say that's crazy. I want to stop saying that's crazy because it's not crazy of course right it's a beautiful contribution to to the military and it's a beautiful way for her to step up uh for that team man and it, that's like superhero shit right that like you said we get a lot of movies about men and you know stuff like that mm-hmm. every now and then we get like a, a woman with a dog or some shit in a movie or like maybe like gi jane like just overcoming the adversity of b- being a member in the military but we never i don't we don't see this a lot like the combat stuff or whatever. We don't champion it a lot. Why in one, like just hearing a story like that, like, like the, how, the, do you feel inspired hearing something like that? Absolutely. I, I feel that women for, especially women in the military, I, I laugh that you mentioned GI Jane. Cause like the whole premise of that was like, could women even be on ships? Well, we should make her a Navy steel first. <laughs> and you're like, Oh cool. Like this movie came out during my lifetime. And you're like, yeah, during that time, like that was like a, <gasps> do you think women could actually do this? You know? And now we're like, no shit. Like we've got women on subs now kind of a thing. And I remember just the, the amount of pushback of trying to get women into combat, like all these lame excuses about how women don't belong in combat, even though women have always been in combat. Mm -hmm. Like we've got women from Mm -hmm. the revolutionary war and the civil war dressing up as men to fight and serving with valor and just killing it, you know, so to speak. Um, you know, so I think it's like if, if if a woman wants to be the person who's like, yeah, I want to go into combat, and if they can do the job, I mean, I, th- I think it's saying more and more that like, yeah, like there's no reason to prohibit that or to put barriers to that. Like we've got all those those female like rangers and green berets going through training, and a lot of them are like, can they actually go active? Can they actually attach to commands that go to go to war, even though they've already completed the training? So I think that there's still a lot of work to be done, but like it just like reinvigorates the thought of like, man, these women are kicking ass. They can absolutely yeah. do just what yeah. these other guys do. So, yeah, yeah, and I, yeah, and I think it's a, a foolish, you know, our foolish man trait. Like we want to protect, we want to protect. We don't even want them to go out in the front lines and stuff. And if uh, you know, if a, if a able-minded adult makes a choice to do something, then we gotta respect their choice. You know, I mean, that's my thoughts on that one. It's a couple other topics that we're not going to talk about. Um, and that's the uh, real quick congrats to the newly selected command senior chiefs and command master chiefs. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, real quick. Congrats. Uh, my boy, uh, Aaron Paul. What up, bro? I know you listen. Uh, congrats on that one. Um, I know that's something I think me and Damon going to do a deep dive about in a, in a later episode yep. of Oh, by the way, or something like that. No, I want to give another shot too, man, to John West, man, a fellow DC man. He picked up a uh, command scene chief too, man. So, you know, big shots out to him, man. Yeah. Um, CB's 80th birthday was March 5th. So 
a quick one on that CB's 80th birthday. I got to shout the CBs out because that was, I joined the Navy to be a CE. I wanted to be a construction electrician. Um, somehow I became a shipboard electrician. So here I am fixing <laughs> lights. And, uh, doing big controls. things, man. Doing big um, things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I love that community, right? Uh, McPond 16 was announced, right? We'll get into that. We'll talk about that. McPond 16 uh, being announced uh, at some, not today. But uh, we'll talk about it. And then the new mass guidance in which I will say that I'm super happy about, man. I, I Man, I haven't pulled my mask out in so long, man. And Planet Fitness, I don't even got to wear the mask in Planet Fitness anymore. But even, even at the installation, you know, since we're not like really at risk, we're not wearing our mask at work anymore. So I'm super excited about that one. Uh, I don't know about, are they still wearing no, it on the ship? No, I, I, I'm assuming it's kind of maybe a, a CO theme, but we went over there, man. Two ships I was on, they, they, they uh, relaxed the mask too. And, and that's in Hawaii. So I haven't went on a ship yet over here since they relaxed it. But over there, yeah, it's relaxed, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it just depends on your cases and, you know, stuff like that. And like I said, we'll get more in depth with that stuff, like probably in our next episode or something like that. But I do want to get into this conversation we have with YN1. And I want to start off just pretty much asking you, like, like, how did you get here? Like, what brings you here at this moment on this podcast right now? So um, I actually reached out to you guys um, about a month ago while I was in Italy. Um, and the reason being was I had a sailor contact me uh, via Facebook and she had seen that I was involved with the GLASS program is gay lesbian and supporting mm-hmm. service members program um used to be supporting sailors but now it's it's dod wide so we have to kind of include all of our other non-sailor brethren um and i was like oh that's super cool and the, one of the things i always ask is like you know what command are you at and also how did you hear about the program and she had mentioned that there was a first class facebook page that she had seen a couple of people ask about it that i had replied to and that also that you all had mentioned in your podcast um, it coming up in one of the stories that you had had with a master chief uh, agent. Uh, uh, I think it was flowers. Yeah. Flowers, HMC. Um, yeah, HMC he, flowers. he had spoke about a, um, an, an event that had happened on a ship he was on where they had a glass chapter and how he had basically gone into the mess and was like, Hey, does anyone want to help with this fundraiser with this group? And everyone kind of gave him shit about it, about how they didn't really support the lifestyle, what have you. And then they ended up coming to the actual event and having a great time and how he kind of felt a certain way about that. Um, so that is actually what introduced me to your podcast. And I I will be real. I have done a deep dive <laughs> listening to all your back episodes. <laughs> I'm like, all right, I got I to gotta be prepped. I got to be ready to go. Um, but yeah, so I was in, I was in Naples and um, I usually get... I think last year I had something like 25 chapters reach out to me to get started. Um, so this, this year, actually since February, I think I've had about five, actually one this morning, um, I was sending out paperwork before I got on. And um, yeah, I was just like, you know, the, your, your platform that you have, especially towards the audience that you do, I thought it would be kind of a cool experience to talk about um, how I started the organization. Uh, Cause it, Last, this last February was actually the 10 year anniversary of the program being mm-hmm. founded. So nice. it's been a lot nice. of stuff um, that's happened in the last decade. When I say it that way, I feel like I got a pretty team. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it just, I wanted to kind of see if you all would be interested in, in hearing about my story and about the story of what 
LGBT identified sailors have had to go through, especially in the last 10 years, um, and how we're trying to continue providing resources to people who still, in a lot of cases, don't have very good access to resources. So, so yeah. Yeah, I want to so say something real quick before, before you guys, ahead, why I want to get started is that the reason why I want to really hear this story um, and, and, and how thing go, how it goes um, in, in these sailors' lives, because um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a servant for sailors, right? I'm always trying to help sailors, but I don't get, like, you know what I mean, all the information. The only thing I'm doing is I'm trying to get, if they need some paperwork they need to do, I'm trying to get this paperwork from this spot to this spot to make sure everything goes smooth for them. But I don't really know any of the backstories and, you know, everybody don't want to really talk about anything. So that's one of the reasons why, you know, I couldn't wait, you know, to, to get you on and we can get this story, get your story out. Absolutely. Yes. So and I and I, I agree with Damon and um, just uh, I asked you this in the beginning of it and most likely it won't happen. But I ask you to give us the grace of ignorance, you know, because I might ask a question because I don't know. Answer. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? And, and in America right now, I see it a lot like on social media. A lot of people don't get grace for their ignorance, for like the things they don't know and understand. They don't get educated about about things that they somebody might make a dumb ass statement, mm-hmm. right? Like on their Twitter or somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, something that they feel is some, based off the experience they lived in their life that they feel is a true statement. And um, they get blasted. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't see a lot of the educational um, aspects sometimes with a million different topics, you know, whether it be racial, whether it be have to do with your uh, sexual preference or anything. I just see people get blasted based off of ignorance. And I think America should give more grace in that department. You know what I'm saying? It's been a lot of times where I've saw somebody say something that I thought was Racially, I, I, I like I even stopped saying racist. I started saying like racial. If you listen to the pod every episode, you probably heard me say like, yeah, that's I think that's racially ignorant. Absolutely. Like maybe it's some more education that I need to do. You know, then if I give you this education and then you still got your take, <laughs> you know, then we might, you know, shift the conversation. But I think everybody needs education and, and information. The first uh, aspect of education that I need is I will admit that. I didn't know what glass was at all. Um, even when Master Chief Flowers brought up glass, that was the first time I heard it, you know? And I'm sure that's why he broke the acronym down, because I'm sure he probably knew that a lot of listeners probably didn't hear anything about it. Mm-hmm. So um, so that's the first thing, like, you know, what is the glass program? If I was interested in it, mm-hmm. you know, how could I, you know, get involved and, um, you know, how is Glass doing? Absolutely. Well, and I want to start off by saying um, it is not my intention to have like your podcast canceled if you slip up <laughs> during this podcast and stuff. Um, that is not my intent. I feel that um, having in any conversation, be it about sexual orientation, gender identity, race, um, religion, a lot of stuff, I think it comes from, a, it, it's all the intent of the place that you're coming from. If you're coming from a place of wanting to learn and be respectful, if you slip up, mm-hmm. that's totally fine. If you say, know that something is offensive and you keep saying it anyway, that's coming from a different place. So I feel like a lot of people are yeah. too afraid to ask the questions. And by not asking the questions, um, they're kind of setting themselves up for failure. Um, with also the caveat that I am in a position as a gay person. You know, hi, hi, your podcast. I am 
a gay person. Um, I'm putting myself in the position to talk about it and to instruct and to be a reference. Um, but not every gay person feels that that is their job to educate others. So I think that mm-hmm. asking the right questions in the right setting, I feel like say like a podcast talking about not just my glass story or my story that I've had since I've been in the military, but also, you know, as I like to say, gay shit, um, in general, yeah. like this is, this is a very good place to ask just honest questions and receive honest answers. So, uh, just please okay. just let me know. Like, don't, don't feel like I'm going to get all hulky about <laughs> thing that you asked, like nothing's <laughs> off the table. Um, but yeah, so it, um, so glass was originally founded in February of 2011 and I joined the Navy, um, in the last months of don't ask, don't tell. So I'm considered the last generation of people who enlisted under the policy, um, to the point where mm. I literally have the instruction that I had to initial that says I will not commit any homosexual acts. I keep it on my fridge as a reminder of how far we've come. Mm-hmm. So when I joined in 2010, um, in October, when I, you know, when I swore in, um, I had been out as a gay woman for God, about six or seven years. I had been out. I had never really been in a closet. I was just kind of like, Oh, this makes sense. Um, have always had a very supportive family, uh, about, you know, after I came out, um, I've had a very good experience being out. So I willfully went into the closet to join the Navy. Um, and now like, like, can, can we stop there mm-hmm. for questioning? Absolutely. So how, how is that for like, how was it for you? Because, um, I, I'm looking, I'm just, you know, uh, just kind of looking, um, at you like right now, just talking mm-hmm. to you and looking at you. Um, my question is like, how hard was it for you? Like, did you try to act like a more textbook feminine? version of like, no. yeah, like no. more feminine or something? No, for um, for all you guys in audio land and not seeing the video, like I've got short hair. I'm literally wearing a flannel, not to be super stereotypical, but <laughs> here it is. Um, and I've always been, um, I would say, more masculine of center presenting for a woman. Mm-hmm. So I don't wear makeup. I don't wear feminine cut clothes. I don't wear dresses. And I never have right. like my entire life. That has not been my deal. I think I've maybe had long hair twice. In my life. So this is how I have always presented. And so, yeah. and I think this is why, like, so like when I told my, my, my sister joined the Navy about six months before I did. And my mom was like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. And then I told my mom like, Hey, I'm also joining the Navy. And my mom was like, are, are you sure that's a good idea? Like, um, yeah. because she was, she was so afraid that not only would I be a target physically for someone to hurt me physically, but also that it would be a target professionally, um, about mm-hmm. would people use my sexual orientation as a, as a weapon against me. And she knew kind of how I was where I'm not that I'm confrontational. Um, cause I'm really quite passive when I'm trying to like get along with people, but I also tend to kind of stick to my, my moral guns, especially when it comes to mm-hmm. being gay. So my thought was I, I was working as a journalist before I joined. I joined when I was 24. And up until then, I had been working as a newspaper photographer. And so, you know, I've been reading stories about how, like, they were trying to repeal Don't Ask, Don't Tell. And I was like, well, mm-hmm. even if I have to suffer through it for a bit, odds are it's probably going to get repealed. So I wasn't coming into it like 
you know, there's no end inside for this. Like I had the thought that eventually uh, it would get repealed during my tenure in the Navy. Um, so mm-hmm. I, so I went ahead and then in December of 2020 or excuse me, 2010, um, when I was in boot camp, um, Obama signed the repeal. And of course they didn't tell us while we were in boot camp. Um, so we got out of boot camp and they're like, all right, all you gays don't say anything yet because we still have about eight months before this is enacted. So you can still technically kicked out before it's actually enacted. So even though the president had yeah. signed it, there was like a, there was almost a year gap between the signature and when you could actually come out. Yeah, that was a weird time. It was yeah, a really weird. I remember that's a weird time. And honestly, like the the story of of gay rights in the military is all about hang time and just really weird like legal stuff that we'll get into. So I was in Great Lakes for about a year and a half because um, FCA school and ATT is a long school anyway. And then we were on hold for about six months because there was no room in our C schools. So a lot of us were trying to like kill time basically. Um, like I joined the Sapper program. I got certified as a Sapper VA. I got, uh, I was in CSAD. I don't know if y'all remember CSAD program. Yeah. Um, I was doing that. So that was my kind of day-to-day stuff while I was on hold. So I got to, you know, meet the the captain of TSC and I was working with the Sapper program on Great Lakes. And, uh, so I have a friend of mine, very dear friend of mine who at the time was identified as a lesbian, but has since come out as a trans man. And, he has a wife and two kids and was trying to support them on an E3 salary, but because they could not be legally recognized, he was trying to support the wife and two kids with an E3 salary. And so his wife was disabled and wasn't able to work. So he was basically constantly just unbelievably stressed out about money and stuff. And I remember one night coming back to the barracks room and he was, he's, he was an FC as well. And he was my, he was in the barracks room with me. And um, real talk, we had gone to Sam Adams, so we'd all been kind of drinking that evening. So we were all kind of just confrontational mm-hmm. anyway. And uh, he had just gotten off the phone with his wife again and was just like crying and stressed out again. And uh, I remember sitting in that room and just saying like, man, there's got to be like some like elder gay who knows all the red tape, like all the forms you need to fill out <laughs> to get someone yeah you know, as your dependent, who's not quote unquote, you're married to or related to you. I'm like, there has to be someone who's figured this out. Like we cannot, like we cannot have done this entire thing without having people figure out a loophole somewhere. And I was like, I just, I just wish we had like a group that we could go to. And then it was like a pause. It was like dead silent. And it was like a lightning bolt. And we all just start kind of looking at each other. Like, that's a great idea. So, um, that was in the spring of 2010 or in the fall of 2010 or excuse me, no 2011, excuse me. Cause I got out of boot camp in 2011. Um, and I knew a few people from Sapper. There was a BMC, Dina Reese. I don't know if you know her or not. Um, I've heard that name. I've heard. Of- she, she was in Don Sapro. She's in a lot of the videos that Sapper puts out. Mm. Um, she's Southerner. She's got short hair, kind of looks like me, but like 20 years older. Um, she was working as the Sapper director at, at Great Lakes and I worked with her through the Sapper program. And so I'd asked one of the civilian, um, therapists at Fleet and Family. I was like, Hey, do you happen to know like a, like a gay sailor I could talk to about starting a program? And they kind of like gave me a knowing wink and they're like, yeah, we, we got someone in mind. And so I went up to Dina and I was like, listen, like, this is our idea. We want to start 
an officially chartered gay straight organization on base where you don't have to be gay to come. Cause like, you know, people have friends, family, whatever, who are gay or just supportive. Um, and I didn't notice at the time, but like she had joined the Navy in like the late eighties. Like she, she retired this last year after like 32 years mm. and mm. she was in before don't ask, don't tell. And then during the entirety of don't ask, don't tell. And so here was this like little, you know, E3 FC, you know, tool around like, let's start a gay group chief. And she's like, oh shit. Like, but, <laughs> but she did, she, she, you know, and she told me later that like, that was a moment where she had to either kind of put up or shut up. And she's like, I'm a chief and I need to take care of my sailors. And she's one of my sailors. And that actually kind of forced her out of the closet. Um, I didn't, again, I didn't realize it at the time, but um, she, she got out of the closet to help us and be our mentor. Um, mm-hmm. so we had a group, uh, got a FCC Briscoe now, um, Greenwood. There was a couple of us who were in the same class, basically, um, who were gay. And again, we all knew each other were gay. We just didn't, couldn't say it out loud, but the kind of word got out of like, Hey, what do you think about starting a group? So like, we're going to base legal, trying to draft charter and bylaws but how do you draft a, a thing that's never existed mm-hmm. before so we're going to like civilian gay straight alliances looking at their charters and bylaws and trying to morph it with like an fcp away or a chief's mess or anything like that to kind of make it applicable for the navy and um so we get to the point where we go up to the captain uh cap pete littner who is the best captain i've ever had and we walked into his office and we're like sir this, we want to start a we want to start a chapter. We want to start an organization that's officially allowed to exist on base in a command capacity. And he was just, he was over the moon about it. Like he was so excited. Um, and he, he said like the only thing that he wished that had been different is that it didn't have to come from us, that he would have thought of it or one of his, you know, higher ups would have thought about it and it wouldn't have had to come from a group of E3s at its mm-hmm. kind of a thing. So he signed it and um, it's, it's different in the sense of like other say military gay groups, um, like you've things like OutServe and American military partner association. You have all these other different uh, organizations that serve LGBT military populations, but they're not allowed to exist on base. They're all off base, off duty organizations. Whereas glass can work afloat ashore. It's seen in the same capacity again as like an FCPO. Mm-hmm. So now, um, why is it that I don't know about it? It's, I would say that, and it, which is funny that you don't considering, I think most carriers have a chapter. Most training commands have a chapter. I mean, I think, I mean, Bahrain, um, there's two in Gitmo. There's like five in Japan. Um, mm. they're, they're kind of smaller though. It's not like if you're on a command site, like you're on a, like you're on the Truman, for instance. Yeah. If you're not a gay sailor, you wouldn't necessarily be looking for it. You know, like it's kind of like one of those like, oh, it's like a, it's a smaller command. Like it's a smaller group, um, okay. even though like we have, you know, we've marched in the San Diego and the Chicago pride parades and things like that. Like it's a very good network. Um, and also, like, depending on how many people are involved, like it could, um, you know, if people get transferred, they might, you know, it might kind of go dormant for a little bit and then come back kind of. Okay, so it's it's powered by whoever's hands it's in at the at the moment. Exactly, it is Pretty not much. a 
Yeah, I, I don't think I've ever had like a captain reach out or a CEO and be like, we want this for our command. It has almost exclusively been E6 and below wanting to start up from the grassroots or the deck plate level. So it's not a mandated group. So mm-hmm. it's it's kind of like if you want to. Also, like again, some commands are awesome about it, and some commands just put down every conceivable roadblock mm-hmm. to have a, a, a group start. And that really that has been shown time and again is that it really just depends on how accepting your triad is to see whether or not you actually even get a chance to have a chapter. I got, I got a question about that. So, do, do, so, have you been hearing that lately though? Like it's still been roadblocks. Mm-hmm. I know it's 2022. I mean, like, but you still been hearing like that's been a thing mm-hmm. still roadblocks. Yeah. Mm, actually, sure. um, I won't, I won't say the command, um, but I had a sailor reach out to me last night and I was sending her stuff today where they have a, they already have a chapter at this command, but the CEO and the, the command have basically been like, you're not allowed to fundraise. You're not allowed to have any events. Mm. And I'm like, that's mm-hmm. weird because we have other chapters who are doing like full drag performances and making a shit ton of money. Like, like master chief was saying on the carrier where they made like a ton of money from their event. Mm-hmm. So it's things like, yeah, you can have a chapter. We don't want to be that guy who's not allowing the gays to do their thing, but we can also be like, you're not allowed to fundraise and you can't do anything during working hours kind of thing. So Yeah, so you kinda you kinda shot out at the knees. You can't yeah. really do much if you can't make money. Exactly. And honestly, like, even if you can't make money, it's not necessarily about the making money part. Um think of like the towns that you all came from you know, Mississippi Mm -hmm. and Philly, we've had a lot of kids who the first time they've ever left their hometown was to join the Navy. And they knew that like, you know, deep down, they knew that they were like one gay kid. And so a lot of people joined the Navy to see the world and to experience other stuff. So for them, they have now a built-in group that they could go to for support and advice and community that they wouldn't have normally had. I had uh, had a chief, I think he's retired now, um, we were at a, a sapper run walk thing and I was telling him about the program and he's, he's definitely kind of flamboyant. I was like, all right, man, talk to my, talk to my chief. I got you. Like we're kind of doing like the knowing <laughs> wink nod. And, uh, I was telling him about the program and he was like, yeah, he's like, I came from a very small town on like deep, deep Texas, you know, and his, he joined the Navy again to see the world, knew he was gay. And I was in Chicago and decided one night to go downtown to the the neighborhood, so to speak. Um, there's a, mm. a neighborhood in Chicago that's notoriously gay. And um, his first experience with a man was a sexual assault. Mm. And he mm. was saying that, you know, he wished, like, he, he no shit told me. He was like, I wish that I had had a group like Glass to go to. Because having someone who has your back and all these these capacities is like i wouldn't have had to go and put myself in that position where that happened so, so i'm listening oh, okay so if somebody wanted if i'm a i'm a young seller and i want to start a chapter on my ship mm-hmm. right uh what would i do so most glass chapters are started kind of by word of mouth either someone's like oh i had it on my last command and i want to get it started here so they'll they'll either get the bylaws from someone that they know or they'll reach out, like I say on Facebook, it's like really the only reason why I still have Facebook um, is because I still get so much of my, my need for glass from there. Um, but they'll send me a message like, Hey, one, one, like I heard you're the person to go to, 
Um, and I send them charter bylaws application, um, a example of a uh, letter of acceptance, like approval letter. And then I tell them, all right, before you start anything, kind of sniff around and see if there's any interest. Because it's one thing to be like the one gay sailor who wants to start it. And there's another thing to be like, yeah, we've got like, you know, 12 met people already really are excited for this program. Mm-hmm. So you kind of already have like a groundswell of support. And then I was like, next, find yourself a khaki, either one who's gay or one who's supportive, either chief or officer to be your like liaison. And then I say before they submit the charter and application bylaws up through the command, through the triad, I say, um, if you're able to schedule a sit down with them before it crosses their desk. So you can answer any questions that they might have before they see it and are like, what is this? Why are you doing this? Why do you person? So usually that, that tends to be the most efficient way to actually get a job. Okay. So y'all, y'all went, you talked to the CEO. CEO said, only thing I regret is that this had to come from you guys. Um, mm-hmm. Now, what happens after that? It's off to the races? It's good to go? No issues? No roadblocks? So not in the way that you would expect. So we had gotten it signed in February. And later that month, and especially because this is right after the repeal. So it's like a big news story. Everyone's like, how's the military dealing with all the gays now? We've been here the entire time. Um, and so we were in Illinois and there's a major um, gala that happens every year that LGBT people from the state of Illinois, big wig Chicago types do this fundraiser every year. And so they'd gotten word that we had just started this chapter and we had been in a couple newspapers at that point. Like I accidentally came out to my grandmother on the Chicago Tribune. Totally forgot to tell her I was gay. And then it was like front page, <laughs> front page gay sailor. I was like, well, I should probably let Nana know. Um, but yeah, uh, they reached out and they're like, yeah, the Chorus Foundation bought you guys a table for your chapter to come to this event. And um, we're like, yeah, sure. So legal department jumped through all these hoops to get us in our uniforms to go, um, even though it's a weird thing with uniforms, especially in an official capacity. And um, my my chief, you know, Dina Reese, she was, um, you know, she was trying to spearhead it, get everything set so we could go to this thing, uniform. And then the day before, um, she hears that, I guess, the uh, like the XO called her and was like, listen, you're not going to be able, you can go, but you can't do uniforms. And that apparently had come down from the Admiral because he was just a little too gun shy to have his sailors from Great Lakes being that visible at a gay event, um, which I'm like, I kind of got it also because it was so new. I mean, at this point, I couldn't even have it be LGBT, like because trans people weren't allowed. So we had mm-hmm. to like omit the T, even though we'd always been supporting of trans people. So there was a lot of like minuscule politicking of how things could be worded and what you could do. Um, but yeah, other than that, like it kind of exploded where everyone was really, really interested in what had happened. And I, I eventually transferred that year. I think I transferred in April, April, May um, to San Diego for C-School. And uh, I'm in C-School one day and chief calls me. She's like, Hey dude, are you, are you sitting down? I'm like, why the fuck could I be sitting down, dude? I'm like, no, I'm on break. She's like, I need you to sit down. I'm like, is something wrong? What happened? And she's like, well, the White House called Great Lakes and they want a representative from Glass to be the first official Navy representative to the June Pride Month at the White House. Mm. And 
so I immediately sit down and I was like, <laughs> say what? And I was like, what are you, what are you saying? She's like, they want you to go to DC to represent the Navy as an out gay Navy person at the June Pride Month event. Wow. And I'm just kind of like, and again, I've been in the Navy for a year and a half. Like I did not, I did not fully understand that this was not how shit happens in the Navy. Like these are not the, the routes that normally happen for anything to happen in the Navy. Like, especially as someone who just was like, a push button third, you know, like two little ribbons and a Chevron and been in for five minutes to mm-hmm. now then be the face of gay Navy at the white house. So she was like, well, you got a plus one. And at that time I was, I was dating my now wife. And uh, I was like, chief, you gotta be my plus one. And she's like, no, no, I think this is, I think this is for you and Jen. And I'm like, you don't understand. I'm like, I cannot be the only person in uniform at this event by myself. I'm like, and also like, you know, you put your anchors on the line, you put your, your reputation on the line to stand up for us, you know? And so she had gone from being in the closet. Yes. Less than a year before to being in full dress whites at the white house reception, meeting Obama kind of a thing. So huge, like, I mean, talk about how fast did things take off? Like they took off at breakneck speed and I hadn't even gotten to my ship. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, trust that, and that's just an indication that leadership does not have any rank. You know what I'm saying? Leadership, getting things done, kicking down doors and stuff. That that shit don't got no rank. I mean, big shout out to you for starting a program and being recognized for that program on the highest level possible as a junior sailor. You know, well, we got, and it's it's interesting. Yeah. Well, it's like, I I make the excuse that like a lot, I think a lot of times like junior sailors, especially with like the op temple being what it is, like they get really kind of disenfranchised about it. Like they get really like, I have all these ideas of how we could do this stuff better and it doesn't matter and what have you. And it's like, to some extent, yes, but I'm like, I don't like, especially in my experience, like the, the amount of things I've been able to do for the amount of people I've been able to do them for. And I did it all before I was like, well, I was an E5 for the most part. So, you, you know, my, my concept and thought with that is like it's always somebody else that's either more senior that like kind of lost their knees a little bit a while ago, you know, that is looking and waiting for a junior seller that got good legs up under them, good energy to come around and have these ideas. Right. So I think like and that's not just the idea of glass, but like any idea, because I, I see the Navy as a bunch of junior sellers suppressing some of their ideas that they have that could change shit. So those that suppression translates into frustration, which translates into just a bunch of people on the mess decks complaining about shit that they have the ability yeah. to change. Right. And it's absolutely yeah. it's a chief, a senior chief, an officer, a captain, whatever, that's waiting for somebody else to be like, hey, I think we could do this. And then it's like, you know, the mm-hmm. old dude from the movie that's like dusting off his old baseball uniform. Like, yeah, like I'm going to put the uniform back on. I can't wait, mm-hmm. you know? Or like Rocky when Creed yeah. comes up to him. Like, yeah, let's get back. It's mm-hmm. always, but it's like, you just need that one. It's, I got a million, at this point, I got a million things that I wanted to do that's probably been tucked away, you know? And if it's mm-hmm. if I catch that one young seller that's ready to shoot, I'm ready to pull out those million things like, hey, I got this. I got this. What about this? We could do this. There's always somebody waiting for somebody, you know. So, so, you know, just message to the young sellers out there, man. If you have an idea like YN1 had as a E3, 
just do it. Mm-hmm. It's really no, yeah. the limitation is, you know, is at defeat. Like it's like at death, yeah. like you, it, it does not die until it dies. So just do it, push yeah. it. You know, you might take rejection every now and then those kind of things might happen. Yeah. I, I want to add to that, oh, man. Absolutely. Like don't let one person, you know, detour you from what you're trying to get done. Like one person say, Oh no, it's not a good idea. Then all of a sudden you go somewhere and hide somewhere. Cause we all know the old saying, a closed mouth don't get fed. Right. So Bring your ideas up and um and talk about them, and you might just be surprised on how many people that be supportive of what you of what you're trying to do. And this is a perfect example of that. Uh, I'm very impressed, man. Absolutely. Listen to this whole story uh, and, and what you what you're talking about, man. I'm I'm very impressed. Um, more impressed on how junior you was to bring this up. You know, that's I'm, yeah. I'm more impressed than, uh, with that. Um, the fact of it, but. Yeah. Man, this type of stuff that this is this is what our podcast is about. You know what I mean? Stories like this and and and, and someone coming on here and bring it up. Uh, we always, oh, Dumbo always talk about you know trending, being a trend maker and and all this type of stuff. You know, uh, being the first and all that type of stuff, man. And and, and you're a perfect example of that. Yeah. So, so well, and I and I appreciate that from from both of you truly. Like it's it's nice to, to hear for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's good stuff. I want to get back somewhere real quick. I want to get back to you um, going in the closet momentarily to like <laughs> act like you wasn't gay for the Navy. Yeah. Right. So absolutely. How do you feel doing that? How do you look doing that? Like, what is that? So it's actually kind of funny because I I joined the Navy. I was coming off of about a year and a half of like hardcore womanizing and I had no desire to date. Like I need to get, I need to join the Navy, get out of this situation. Um, and I, I was not looking for any kind of relationship. And then like two months after I got out of basic training, I met my wife mm-hmm. and this was also still like, you know, we could be out, but we couldn't be out yet. And so like my wife would literally drive like an hour and a half each way to go to base, to sit at the USO with me. We're like, we couldn't be sitting near each other or anything like that. We would just have to be like having space between us. And, uh, I remember asking, I was like, you know, how do I know how much you love me basically? And they're like, I'm willing to drive three hours, not even be able to hold your hand kind of a thing. Um, and I think that was like when it really kind of hit me just how completely unfair this whole situation was because you have, and this, this kind of gets in later on too, because once don't ask, don't tell got repealed, there were still no benefits for spouses. There was still no protection under equal opportunity at all um, for gay people. Mm-hmm. So you would have people who were married say like, you get married in California. Great. You're gay and married in California. And then you get stationed in Virginia and then your marriage didn't matter. So all the benefits, all the things that you normally would have for your spouse and your dependent didn't matter. So I feel like, I was very, very briefly in a closet and it just pissed me off. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, I wasn't scared. I wasn't like, I didn't feel judged. Like I was never raised to feel that being gay was like a moral failing or like against God or anything like that. Like I was never taught that. So I didn't inherently feel that who I was, was a wrong thing. Mm-hmm. I always just thought that like, it was so screwed up that this is the way that the system was. And I also felt so surprised that, by me being like, hey, what about a gay straight alliance? And everyone's 
mind collectively exploded. I'm like, why is this such a big deal? Like, I didn't understand why it was such a big deal at that time and place. Um, but yeah, I think the hardest thing was like being in a brand new relationship with someone who I've now been with. We celebrate our 11 year anniversary this week. Yeah. Nice. You know, someone who has had to deal with distance and deployment and has had to deal with the exact same stuff that every other middle spouse has had to deal with to have to hide that and be afraid that if someone catches you with this person, it could mean repercussion. Yeah. You know? And again, like I've known, like I have a friend of mine, senior chief, uh, Ellie McKinney, you know, she's been with her wife for like 20 years. They have a now grown son. And like, you know, when she came home from deployment, her family couldn't be on the pier because people would be like, chief, why is that kid calling you mom? Yeah. Crazy. Kind of a thing. Yeah, it's rough. You know, and that's, that's just, well, and I think like having that knowledge and that perspective made me not complain about it as much because I had to deal with it for such a short amount of time. And even though I did kind of put myself in the firing line of a bunch of hate and nastiness, especially online and a lot of questioning of like my, my, why am I doing the things I'm doing? It's not needed. You guys are just trying to get attention. You guys are just trying to change the military to be more liberal, blah, blah. And I'm like, these people have had to spend their entire careers hiding the people they care about the most just so they can also serve the Navy that they also. Yeah. Like it it was very much a, um, it was definitely an eye opening thing that I learned very early on about it could be a lot worse for me personally yeah i mean those people you know and you know here i am over here bitching about having to get a new no shave chit when i go to a new command (laughs) you know what i'm saying like like i really gotta get tested again like i should be able to go Mm -hmm. through the whole navy with this beard (laughs) you know what i'm saying so but just i mean just dealing with that and I, i mean we got that story from we had another guest on our podcast a while ago first class and she had a story, you know, similar where she was talking about her wife and like uh, who I think at the time was her girlfriend. And it's like, you got to hide it. You know, you got to hide it, you know. And and I, I just can't help but think about the conversations that like somebody will have to deal with when they are in the closet. The things they got to hear people say um, and they can't just come out like, yo, like I'm gay. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, yep. I'm not cool with, you know, and then because at that point, it's a trigger point because somebody, you could get in trouble, you know, you get in trouble for defending yep. yourself, at, you know, at that point. So, mm-hmm. so, so let's get to, because all of this happened in A school, right? As far as starting the A chapter school, C school, like yeah. Okay. So you out of C school mm-hmm. um, and you mm-hmm. get to your first command, your first ship, right? Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, (laughs) There's, it was, um, it was an interesting change for that because I had been coming off of, you know, I'm, I'm in the New York times. I'm in the Chicago tribune. I just get, got back from the white house. Like I'm doing all this, you know, as I say, gay shit and I get to my command and I'm one of the, one of, there's one other woman in weapons in my, in my division. And my work center soup was a extremely conservative, extremely Southern, like didn't think women should be in the military, let alone gay people, you know, very kind of, you know, what he said went in the division. 
and like all the other guys kind of looked to him as like the de facto manly man. And so not only did he get a woman in his shop, he got a gay woman yeah. and an out gay woman in his shop. Yeah, he was red. So he was he was, he was red hot. He was hot. <laughs> she the steam coming. And he was not. Oh my god! And it was like it was so jacked up because, you know, I I was trying my hardest because like you know you get to a ship you've never been to a ship before like I'm trying to get my balls yeah. I'm trying to learn my system, but it was like this constant bombardment of just like sexist homophobic shit just constantly even if like he didn't say it outright it was just kind of like I'm like oh hey like i'm starting a glass chapter on milius and he'd be like i don't give the whole point of blah 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 just like constant negativity and it wasn't really until he left that i was able to kind of start like working on the rest of the guys and being like hey like i'm just as good of a sailor and i remember we were on a gun range one day because we were you know getting everyone called i'm like m9 or the uh the nine mil and m4 and what have you and uh, I was in the the line shack with my my GMC, and uh, I was just venting because I I was close with him. Like we had duty the same day, and I was like, "Chief, I just don't get it." Like I got the EP, and everyone was pissed, but I'm like, "I'm starting class. I'm sap victim advocate. Like I'm getting all my quals. Like you know, everyone, but everyone was pissed that I got it." And I'm like, "I just don't know what else I can do to be taken seriously, basically, right mm-hmm. now." And he kind of, he sighed and he, he was very real. He's like, listen, the guys don't care how many times you've been to the white house. They don't care how many gay organizations you've started. They care about if you know your system. Mm -hmm. And he's like, and honestly, he's like, you have two strikes against you because you're a woman and because you're gay. He's like, and unfortunately you're going to have to work twice as hard as everybody else to be seen as equal to everyone else. Yeah. And that was a that was a very hard truth, but it was kind of like a, a slap awake to be like, okay, yeah, and that's a that's like a that, that's what I have to yeah, be. And that's a rough conversation to be the recipient. That's a tough like, conversation. To hear, to right hear there, somebody call being a woman a strike, like even me hearing it right now, yeah. like, to hear tough. somebody say being a woman is a, and it, it's pretty obvious that he had good intentions, you know, and it and that yeah. and that conversation probably helped you. But in my twenty twenty two ear. You know, to hear somebody say that being a woman is a strike against you, it's, it's hard for me to hear yeah. it right now. Like, how is that considered mm-hmm. a strike against you? You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's that's rough. So, yeah. so you, you you know, you get in this, uh, you get with this uh, first class, this LPO. You got any, like, standout experiences with this LPO or did you already kind of name it? So, and he wasn't even a first class. He was a second class even looking back just pisses me off because <laughs> I was also a second I picked up second really quick when I got to the ship but I was still junior like I remember this one time we were cleaning out a magazine because we had an inspection so we had to like sweep out we were like in a Seawiz mag on the destroyer so it was like Ford Seawiz mag and um it was like a Friday or a Thursday or whatever and it was like all right y'all have to clean the magazines before we can go home and so like all the guys are in there and it's like me and we had a a GM who had just struck as um being undes and like one other guy who was a third class and we're like the only ones who are cleaning this space. And I, I look at the guy who had just struck GM. I'm like, Hey dude, um, run to your shop real quick, get another, uh, sweeper, like, you know, foxtail, whatever. So we can do this. And this guy looks at me and he, and he yells at me in front of the rest of the unit. He was just like, you don't have any authority to be telling him what to do. Oh, and I'm man. like, I'm a second class, the same as all of you guys. This is a seaman and a third class. And we're trying to get this shit done, basically. But I looked at him, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you know, pardon my French, but I'm like, are you fucking serious? 
I'm like, I just kind of gestured to everybody who was just sitting around literally not cleaning. I'm like, sorry for trying to get this shit done so we can go home guys. Like I didn't realize that was outside of my bounds kind of a thing. So it was things like that. And like, I have never, like, I, I'm very slow to temper. Like I just don't get like rage filled very much. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I walked out of the the magazine and I went up to my shop and I, again, like I punched a bulkhead and I don't punch walls at all. Like that was the first and only time in my life. I was so bad. I just had to hit something. Cause I was just like, you son of a bitch. Like, don't, don't act like you're some kind of hotshot sailor just because everyone defers to you. Cause what, you're the most masculine dude in the division. Like I was so over it. And then after that, I think everyone saw how bad I got and we're like, Hey, sorry about that. I'm like, yeah, you're fucking sorry that you are like, you guys didn't stand up for me. You guys didn't stand up to this guy who you knew who was wrong. And yeah, here we and that are. happens. We talked about that in the old uh, episode too, how a lot of times you, I, so I got two questions. Um, one of them is kind of like, uh, uh, like, like I want the tea type question, right? But then the other oh. question is a real question. So um, the first question is, um, and I, I don't want to forget the second question. I might have to write it down. But the first question is, does like going through these experiences, like as you're like climbing up, you know, in rank and stuff like that, does that make you kind of want to like uh, put like protection around the young junior gay seller that you might see uh, coming up in rank two, so they don't Absolutely. have to deal with that. Have you ever had that experience? I I swore to myself after that particular experience, and there was a couple other ones that with this particular situation, where I was like, I swear to God, if I ever become a person in a position of power or authority, I will never ever treat my sailors like yeah. this. Like I just I made a vow. I was like, I don't care if they're an idiot. I don't care if they're lazy. I refuse to treat people the way that my first year on my ship is. Like I refuse, like I will not. Um, so that, that kind of set like the, the foundation of how I wanted to be like, you know, LPO works in a soup, you know, what have you, if I ever put on anchors going forward, uh, my mentor, Dina Reese, um, she has a, a line. She's like a asshole is not a leadership mm-hmm. skill. <laughs> like that's, so I kind of try and keep that too. Um, but yeah, and like, and every time something happens, we're like, I'm like, man, that was jacked up. Like, I, I put it in like my Navy vault <laughs> to like file away. I was like, oh, okay, so I won't do yeah. that. Like, that wasn't effective. That didn't make anyone feel good. That didn't get the job done. Like, you know, so going through and also just like the way that you you talk to people or treat people who, I mean, like we had african-american sailors we had a sailor whose uh now wife was undocumented like we've had you know immigrant sailors you know we've had god knows trans sailors like how do you talk with people about hard topics and still be respectful how do you make sure that they feel that they're valued and that they can that you value their contribution just as much as the next guy i mean yeah you know so that's really been kind of like cornerstone of, of what I've been trying yeah. to do. I mean, I think that's your, I think, I, I honestly think your ignorance has to take the front seat in the, in these conversations. Like for me, like that's even like in our conversation today, it's like, that's the precursor. Like, yo, there are things that I'm ignorant about and I'm seeking education. I think a lot of times people talk from this place where they trying to educate you. You know, like, yo, I'm black. Like, you're not about to educate me about the black experience. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, exactly. it was an issue uh, during the January 6th, um, the riots. You know, it was a, a noose hanging, you know, a noose hanging mm-hmm. around. I remember this, like, vividly. 
Um, <laughs> but somebody, you know, they, you know, they was talking about the news and they had a, a racial, like, uh, you know, they attributed like a race, a race, a race, a racial thought to that, right? Some context. And then somebody was like, <laughs> well, actually, nooses represent like, you know, something else, like yeah. treason. And you're like, like shut yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. treason. It's like, well, they don't represent treason yeah. to me. You know, I've I've seen <laughs> black bodies <laughs> hanging from nooses. And I never said like, yo, this person yeah. got hung because they committed treason. I said, this person got hung because yeah. they're black. You, you know what I'm saying? So, exactly. And, it, and I always see that where somebody that's not of the, you know, I always tell uh, my mom, me and my mom talking. I'm like, yo, if a woman says something is offending her i can't say well actually like i didn't intend to not offend you no i'm gonna back the fuck up i'm doing exactly. okay you know what i'm saying you're exactly. offended let me chill out and a lot of people think yeah. that they're like this high master of moral code for like everybody else and it's silly it's wrong and weird yeah. damon you got anything to add well yeah man i mean you bring up a good a good good point man like why am I gonna go out there and try to educate something that I know I don't know nothing about or don't or, or is not educated on, right? Um, mm-hmm. I bring back the thing you said about about uh, being a strike against you, man. Like, man, like we talking about two thousand twenty two, being a woman, being mm-hmm. gay, being you know who you are is a strike against you is 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 crazy to me, and I'm here to tell you, man, that. I go to bat for stuff like that, man. Like, yeah. like me, put, <laughs> put me there, put me in the line, put me in the den. We can go, we, we can go fight about stuff like this all day. Um, but it's, yeah. it's hard to see, right? And and it's hard to see for me because I've seen the Navy change, right? I've seen the Navy change. I came in in 98, so mm-hmm. I've seen the Navy change. Um, even before the Navy, um, growing up in Mississippi, man, I, I didn't, I never seen like really like gay people, Yeah. period. Like mm-hmm. this is the case. This is like when yeah. I grew up, right? Um, then coming into the Navy and 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 talking with different people, people have you know phobias and all this type of stuff. Man, I'm an open book. I'm open. You know what I mean? I, I listen to people. I hear them talk. And then once you start getting in leadership positions and, and becoming teams, seem like a lot of that stuff mm-hmm. it, it matters. Being a team, you want everybody to be um, on the same playing field for one, and you want everybody to be mm-hmm. part of the team. Yeah. It's no mm-hmm. isolation. It's no nothing. Now, me personally, if I feel like you being isolated, I may go a little bit harder to make sure you think or you know that you're not, you know, isolated. But it's hard for yeah. me, like when you when you talk about this stuff and, and we know we for a fact, I'm telling you, we know it still happens today. <laughs> this stuff still happens oh, yeah. today. Absolutely. Um, but it's yeah. it's hard for me to sit here and listen to it and be like, man, this this is like if I was at a command, it was happening, I'd be like, it can't be happening in my command. You know, that'd be my first yeah. thought. It's not it happening. Does. But what I'm here to tell you, if someone brings this up to me, I know for a fact it's happening. You know what I mean? I'm not going to be like, oh, oh that's yeah. not. No. <laughs> I know it, no one is going out their way to say this is happening to them or that it's happening to whoever, right? So uh, it's still mm-hmm. happening. Uh, we know it. But but how? Why? Those are the questions that I got, like, it's two thousand, and I keep bringing yeah. this up. It's two thousand twenty-two, man. <laughs> what, what, yeah. what more? You know, when we talk about you know women in power, we talking about the gays, we talking about whatever. Um, the things that that are being accomplished, the diverse that we have been seeing as they're making our, you know, be making America great. You know, we still go back to some craziness all the time. 
You know, and we see it every day. You oh, turn yeah. on Facebook for freaking 10 minutes and you see shit like this, yeah. you know? So it's a scary it's place. Yeah. Facebook is a scary place. I got, yeah, I got scary. It. Well, yeah, and if it, honestly, if it wasn't for that, then I, I wouldn't, if it wasn't for glass shit, I would not be on Facebook. It's a scary yeah. place. <laughs> That's what, I know that for sure, man. I saw Xbox post something on Black History uh, Month and it went crazy in the comment section. But I, uh, so my one question for you, and I, at first I thought it was like a tea kind of question, but it's not. It's more of a, because I'm sure you've dealt with people in the closet. Um. Oh like yeah, at commands ships that probably people wouldn't even expect. Maybe some khaki, maybe like a, a bunch of different. So on my last Ooh. ship, I remember <laughs> one of the one of one of the gay sellers that I would one of the sellers I would talk to a lot of times, like a, a lot is you know as a gay guy, and he was like, "Hey, chief, you'd be surprised how many people you know in the closet that they made passes at me." Okay. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I'm like, for real? He's like, yeah, you'd be surprised. You know, and I'm like, damn. So, and and that's something that people still struggle with, huh? Oh, absolutely. And it's, the thing with being in a closet is it's not anyone's position or job to force anyone out of a closet. Like as, as a, as a president of a glass chapter or as just a gay person, I'm not here to be like, did you hear that song? So, cause that's, I feel like that is such a a horrid, like betrayal of trust. And I feel that, depending on people's backgrounds, where they come from. Cause yeah, like you might come from a very conservative, very potentially conservative religious environment where you're dealing with your own, like coming out to yourself is a process. No one just wakes up one day and it's like totally gay. Like there's a lot of soul searching and trying to figure this shit out, depending on how old you are. Like my wife came out at I think 16, yeah. I was, or 14 actually. I was, I was 18, you know, and it's all just different situations a lot of times people you know leave to grow up and join the navy or join the military to try and figure a lot of that out um i've had a lot of sailors come up to me like i had a actually i remember this one time i just started glass at great lakes and we had these flyers so the the glass logo is a rainbow anchor so we had these these flyers that we're putting all over the base and i went to the um to the chaplain's office and I was just like, hey, you know, are you guys okay with us putting maybe these here as like brochures kind of a thing? And there was this retired um, RP. This guy had been in, he'd done like 20 or 30 years as an RP. And um, he looked kind of awkward. And I was like, totally get it. Like, if you're not comfortable, I totally can put these elsewhere. I don't want to, especially in the chap's office, like, I don't want to feel like you need to do this. I would just appreciate it taking mm-hmm. time. So I started talking with him. And this guy, you know, spent an entire career in the Navy and now is a civilian working still in the chap's office. And, uh, he was kind of like quiet and he was just like, you know, my, uh, my sister's been with her wife for, you know, 20 years. And I was like, dude, that's, that's awesome. Congratulations. And he like, he took a breath and he sighed and he looked down he's like, and my husband and I have been together for 25 years. And I was like flabbergasted. And I was like, Oh, wow. And he was just like, he started crying. He's like, that's the first time I've been able to say that Mm. in this room. He's like, and I, I retired as an RP. Like, he's like, this is the first time I've been able to say that on base, you know? And I was just like, so here are the flyers. Um, (laughs) Let me know (laughs) if you have any questions. Like, you know, cause I didn't know how to to deal with that kind of uh, emotionally charged of a situation, but I was like, holy shit. Like this guy, like finally felt the, you know, as an adult, like I know so many adults who, you know, have spouses and kids 
like a heterosexual spouse and kids and then come out later in life because they're like, now I'm in a place where I can be true to that. You know, like, how does that look for your family? How does that look for what have you? And then a lot of people still have to worry about, you know, staying in the closet when they go home. Can't tell her like, oh, like I'm out on the ship, but I can't tell my family. So don't don't post any pictures of me on Facebook. Mm. I'm like, damn, dude. Like, I'm glad like you can be here with us and we can work through some of that because we have similar experiences. But man, like I, you know, my and but even then, like my mom was so afraid of me being in the military, and I think always was just kind of afraid for me out in yeah. the world being gay until I told her that I was going to the going to the White House, and she busted down crying, and she's like how can they hurt my daughter if she's going to the white house yeah. for this kind of a thing like that, that level of acceptance, even though I was like, yeah, I'm not changing the fact that I'm gay. Like I'm super fine. Like I'm cool with this. This is great. But for her, her fear went away when she was able to see that kind of recognition that it was yeah. kind of thing. So, I mean like, yeah, it's, it's scary like coming out, but yes, like there's definitely like that, the joke of like gay underway or it's not yeah. queer if it's on the pier kind of a thing. Like there are definitely some people who, when they're not home. Hey, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, oh, yeah. So just thinking about that, like just thinking about, I don't know, it's just a tough thought, you know, to just to suppress like a whole part of who you are. You know, I've been in rooms with like people mm-hmm. where like they might have hated a movie, right? Like, yeah, that movie sucked. That shit sucked. You know, and I'm the dude like, well, actually, mm-hmm. like I kind of liked it. Like, <laughs> let me act like it sucked too. Like, it's like, yeah, yeah. yeah it sucked, guys. Yeah. Yo, <laughs> Meanwhile, yeah. I'm like, yo, all right, Robot yeah. was actually pretty decent, you know, one of Will Smith's better movies. <laughs> so, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. um, just to not be able to like, like talk about, you know, your sexuality and, and stuff. I say like, so I honestly, like, you know, we've been dealing with this kind of like, and I'm, I, I, I got to be a little bit discreet um, because I don't really know how to talk about it yet. But we've been dealing with this kind of like in our family. And, um, you know, I think some people believe, you know, one of our family members want to come wants to come out. Right. And the craziest thing about it is mm-hmm. like if that, you know, were to be true, like. I'm like waiting, like I'm like at the finish line with like open arms, ready to be like, yo, yeah, yeah, yeah like, like, come on, you can like, do like, it. Yo, this yeah, is yeah. great. Like, I can't wait. Like, you know, are you dating? Like, you know, the, the biggest thing I don't want to happen is for yeah. you to mess with a scumbag, no matter if that scumbag is a male, no matter if that scumbag is a woman, just, you know, just pick the right people and, mm. and, and love is love. But I feel weird that it's 2022 and like, you know, I might have somebody and my family that's questioning this, is it okay? I'm like, yo, I'm okay. Like, I'm almost angry. Like, yo, I'm okay. Like, just, I can't wait. Like, I can, you know, it's like, you got to respect that person. Yeah, oh, yeah you coach, know, you got to yeah. respect that yeah, person yeah, yeah. and like, understand like, they might have other things that's like holding them back from, like you said, like they might have other obstacles that's holding them back from um, feeling like, you know, they want to come out. And I'm just a guy like, well, when you do, I'm yeah. right here, <laughs> you know, right here. Waiting. But, um, so, Yeah. I was just like a a good way to kind of do that. And it's like a subtle way, for instance, um, is like, say in your, in your email signature or in your whatever, use your pronouns. You're like, Oh yeah. Like my pronouns are she, her, hers, because people who aren't kind of in tune to say like gender identity or being LGBT supportive would not be putting their pronouns in their email signature kind of a thing. But you see that and you're like, Oh, this person's putting their pronouns. Oh, maybe I could maybe talk to them about 
my pronouns that are a given kind of like it's small things like that to be like yeah ready to talk when you are kind of a thing like you know or even just like even just in regular conversation not be like well how about that ellen she's great right but just you know if something comes up you're like yeah like you know just have it be like a normal part of a conversation of oh yeah i heard the so-and-so came out isn't that great and then just continue the conversation because that will let them know that you are a safe person to talk to and that if when that time comes that you might be one of the first people to go to because you have already laid that so you just brought up something that uh i'm kind of glad you brought it up because i wouldn't have thought about it but it's it's actually something that i could you know be educated on uh, pronouns so um Mm -hmm. i I don't use pronouns it's a new thing you know and i'm the i'm like it's new to me you know i'm like the guy that waited a long time to start using the iphone you know i waited a long time to like go Mm -hmm. to blu-ray you know (laughs) i waited a long time to go digital so i still got like 250 dvds Mm -hmm. downstairs right so uh so i just kind of always kind of wait for a while you know um so with pronouns Mm -hmm. Is that is it like now a general assumption that if somebody doesn't have them, that they might not like they might be a little ignorant toward? Um... No, I, I have to laugh because you're like if you don't have them, I'm like, you just said guy. Guy is a like you use he him. No, no. What I mean about it is use them. Is use like, them when we write. Yeah. Like so, if I don't like, for instance, if if. Oh yeah, no. This is yeah. this is very new. This is this is very new. I saw that there was a I can't remember where I was reading it. There was an article about whether or not like for like a proper military email signature, if you should be able to. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's do people it. doing it. <laughs> yeah. But um, my, my, my biggest thing yeah. is if I don't do yeah, it, so, is it being assumed that okay, all right. Well, I don't know anything no. about pronouns. Honestly, you? I don't even hardly <laughs> know what you've been talking about so, right now. I'm like so, lost. Pro- exactly. So you have in, in the English language, and obviously it's it's different for like, say, like gendered languages, like say Spanish or Italian, mm-hmm. where you have like a chair is masculine, but a blanket is feminine, kind of like L or log. Kind of thing. We don't deal with that in the English language. So your pronoun, like I use she, her. So like if you're referring to Anne's bicycle, it'd be her bicycle. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you identify as a male, so <laughs> this is going to get really technical. Your sexual orientation and your gender are two very different things. A lot of times they get lumped together as part of like the queer community. But I I identify as a female, like my, my brain and my body align, basically. And this is not even getting into like people who are intersex who have like multiple, like two different types of genders, not even getting into that. So say if someone is trans, they might physically say be female, but they identify as a male. Mm. So they're living their life as male. They see themselves as a male. So I have a very dear friend of mine who I was with on Milius, um, and he's a trans man. He's now done post-surgery. He's got a full bushy beard, but he was in female birthing. But everyone knew that he was a man. Like They knew that he identified as a man, so everyone used like male pronouns for him. By the time he left, he was wearing male uniform mm-hmm. at like, his award ceremony kind of thing. So if you know that Lincoln is a trans man or identifies as a man, the pronouns you would use for him are he, him. You would refer to him in a masculine pronoun. Mm-hmm. But if you didn't know that he was trans or if you're being like, I don't believe this stuff, you would refer to Lincoln as a female, mm-hmm. she, hers. 
So pronouns and being respectful of how you refer to someone is a acknowledgement of understanding that you see them as a male or a female, how they yeah. choose to be perceived okay. or how they, you know, so if someone's like, Hey, my name is Anne. My pronouns are he, him. You might be like, okay, this person is probably trans or just, I'm just going to default to what they would like to be referred to. Now there are another, there is another option for like, say they, them. So you can refer to a single person in a they, them pronoun. Like, um, I called, I called Dave. They're going to show up at 10. Okay. You're still referring to Dave, but you're using a they, them pronoun. That's a lot of times used by people who are genderqueer. So they don't feel like they fit in either a male or a female box. Mm. They're in the middle. They see themselves in more of a gray area. So people, I feel kind of get freaked out and turned off by it because unless it's mm -hmm. kind of explained to you and it does take practice, like, like my wife uses she and they. So I try to make a point to use they when referring to the person I'm married to, yeah. even though it's just the one. Person. So like they are working on their PhD as opposed to she mm -hmm. is working on. Her and then, okay. kind of a and thing. then so, Damon, like, yeah. so for instance, like, people been adding it to like their email signatures, for instance. So I got some junior sellers that work for me, you know, that have added it into their emails, uh, signatures already, mm -hmm. you know, okay. um, if you are a CMC, mm -hmm. cause we got some CMCs that listen. And if you know that they can or can't, I don't think it's something that they can't do because we can add quotes in our email signatures, or, you yeah. know, uh, stuff like yeah. that. So I don't think it's exactly. that. But, hey, that's man. Like you just kind of really taught us something here. So uh, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I, I appreciate. I really appreciate that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Of course. And honestly, like I feel that when it comes to like queer people, LGBT plus people, I feel like people are so afraid to ask questions to clarify because a lot of times people are like, "You misgender this person," or you're being homophobic and it's like, if you don't know and it's not explained to you in a simple, straightforward way, then it's just going to block you off from even wanting to deal with it, which is going to make it harder to work down the line with people yeah. who identify. A certain I, th way. I think my biggest question, and I, if, yeah. if you do have a chance and I know you said you connected to a few of your friends are trans, I would like to talk to them because, and I'll, mm -hmm. I'll throw the question in here, but I'm not going to ask you to answer it. And it's not even a question, but I would like to talk to them about uh, sports, um, sports uh, between uh, men's sports Good and women's point. sports. Yeah. And I just would like to see what their approach is mm -hmm. or, or their thought process is, because I almost think people would be surprised by, you know, their thoughts on it. But I don't know. So if you do have a friend, mm -hmm. please, uh, if you could loop us into to that uh, friend of yours, if they were military, um, I would love that, mm -hmm. to have a conversation. Mm -hmm. I want to go back to a place real quick that you were at. Um, and I just want to talk mm -hmm. about how common of a because I mean, so you're going through, you know, this experience. It's a unique experience because you're in a division with this mm -hmm. extra super conservative person. Oh, now, oh, and before I get there, let me let me kind of ask this question because I I assume that it's some gay conservatives in the world. I don't I'm I don't think that like mm -hmm. liberal and gay has to be connected all the time. Am I am I wrong? Correct. Yeah. Um, I think 
before we get into obviously the super conservative dude I worked with. So the thing with being gay is as a white person, I had white parents. I grew up in a largely white community. You're a black person. Odds are you probably have black parents growing up in a black community. Same with Asian and Hispanic. If you are Jewish or you are Catholic or you are Christian, you grow up in these communities where everyone is the same as you for the most part. Okay. Being gay is an identity that cuts through all of that because you can be a gay person who is also Jewish or you can be a trans person who is also Latino and you might not see anyone else in that community who is like you. So when you do go out and find other gay people, it's a very strong knit community because you're coming from so many places, but that does tend to create problems because during the gay rights movement, a lot of times the more quote unquote respectable looking queer people were white Mm -hmm. cis men who were able-bodied and looked a particular way. Like if you think of like, the idea of what a gay man looks like, you probably have an image in your, in your head of what a gay man looks like. So during the gay rights movement, a lot of other people, a lot of say like trans people or drag queens or people of different races or other minority things were pushed to the side in order to kind of end, like lend an air of legitimacy to the gay rights movement because mm-hmm. they're, they didn't want to scare anybody. They didn't want to like, they didn't want to send this whole plethora of diversity that really is encompassed in a gay community. So when you say that about like other conservative gay yeah. people, absolutely. Like there's literally a group called the log cabin Republicans mm. who are gay Republicans mm. kind of a thing. The reason why say gay people as a general, like this is a general brush, um, why most of them are at least left leaning or more liberal is because the policies that are voted on by the two political parties more often than not, um, does not have as much discrimination yeah. on the left than on the right. Yeah, and I, and, so, and, that's, I, and I, I mean, the reason it, why I bring that yeah. up, and it's less of a question than like you know a statement, but the reason why I bring it up is because people kind of put people mm-hmm. in. I see it a lot with people, uh, conservatives, when they talk about liberals. Um, I see liberals do things too when they talk about conservatives, but I, it's I don't it's no prescription for a conservative. It's no prescription for a liberal. Um, but I, I see that sometimes, even when it comes to like mm-hmm. race, you know, race kind of stuff, where somebody might say, "Oh, uh, look at all of those liberals." It's mm-hmm. like, oh, they, it's just a group of black people. <laughs> like, like, like you know what I'm saying? It's not a group of liberals. So, um, yeah. all right. So, this conservative yeah. uh, uh, second class leader that you have. Um, that's a common, you know, so as unique a story as it is to be um, this gay woman in a division with a kind of like a right leaning, uh, closed minded leader. It's, it's still a common military story, that whole aspect of having to wait for somebody mm-hmm. to leave, you know, and I bring that up and especially, you know. Thinking about it, like thinking about, yeah. you know, the, the experience you got, Damon, like in the Navy too, like where like how many damn commands we've been to where it's like, yo, all right, when this person leaves, you know, I'm going to be free to be able to do this or free to be able to do that. You know, that's crazy to have to deal with that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'll- yeah, absolutely. And it's, and, and 
as as out and active as I was in the gay community, I still did not feel empowered enough to stand up for myself the way that I look back on now. I'm like, man, you should have said this, or you should have, you know, you should have could have would have all day long about how things could have been different. Um, but it for me, just surviving that time until he was gone. And I was able to be taken more seriously, not just because of obviously the gay stuff that I did, but because, you know, I was better at being a CWIS tech. I was better at maintenance. I was better at troubleshooting. I was able to step up for my division the way that I think that they were, that they respected more than all the other extracurriculars. It, that I so after this command kind of experience, uh, was everything else pretty much smooth sailing, smooth sailing? That, well, did you did you get did you? It's crazy. We didn't had this great conversation, right? Now, the, my question is: Did you get a glass <laughs> chapter on on at this command? Did you start one? On Milius? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Milius is the first. Okay, so this was Milius that you glass. were on with this leader, um, and okay, and this was the only mm-hmm. ship you were on before mm-hmm. you went yeah. reserve. Okay, all right, cool. Correct, correct. Um, yeah, so it was. Yeah, because I was on Milius for about four and a half years at that point um, by the time I left. Uh, but yeah, no, got a glass chapter started, like Pride Months. Like we had the, the Higgins had a chapter, like I spoke at their Pride Month, like went on the uh, the Ike and, you know, to, uh, you know, all these other chat, like all these other commands for like Pride Month events and talking to them about it. Um, and it was interesting, too, that you say, like, you know, waiting until people leave, um, I've also been in a weird position by virtue of being who I am in this program where if something bad happens, like you were talking earlier about like, you know, mm-hmm. you get that phone call, something bad happens. You know, I imagine as, as chiefs, as senior chiefs, um, having to get that phone call in the middle of the night, that something bad happened. And it turned into whenever something bad happened to a gay sailor, even though I was an E5, I'd be the one getting that phone call at 2 a.m. And I remember... And I'm not going to say where it was, and I'm not going to say what kind of sh- what, what ship it was. Um, but I got a phone call from a, a lesbian who I knew in Great Lakes, and she was stationed on a destroyer. And it was the same platform as mine. And she said that the only openly gay man on the ship had basically completed mm-hmm. suicide while on watch. And I was like, well, what's going on? Like, what happened? Like, what what? led to this and basically like the command climate was so toxic that gay sailors would basically not be sleeping in birthing. They would be sleeping in lockable compartments. Uh. All the, all the female identified like gay people, like all the lesbians were getting like sexually harassed all the time. And this one out gay man sailor um, had basically begged to be transferred. He's like, I cannot deal with deployment. Like I won't be able to make it. And the command was like, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You can, we'll get you out of here. And then like three weeks before deployment, they told him that he was going to have to go on deployment. And he basically was on topside rover and pulled out his nine mil and was brains up. Quarter, I don't know if it was the quarter deck, but it was somewhere on the ship. And so they recall everybody back to the ship because they have to tell the command what happened. And this person who I knew was standing in ranks while the captain is telling the crew that this guy had just died on the ship and people were saying shit like, well, I guess it's too soon to order a meat lover's pizza. You know, it's just another faggot dead, blah, blah, blah. While this guy had just died 
And I was, I remember just being so mad because this was the exact same type of ship I was on. Like, like, like what they do. Like we were both BMDs. And whereas my ship, like we're bringing our gay spouses to the Christmas party and we had a bunch of out gay people and we had a really active blast chapter. And I was just like, it's the same job of the ship. We're all doing the exact same work. And on this ship, all the gay people are having to lock the door when they sleep because of harassment. And so the sailor was like, had asked the command, like, can I give training on being, being gay in the military? Can I start a glass chapter? And the command was like, no, we don't want anything to do with that. So she told me, and um, there's a master chief, uh, retired master chief, uh, Dwayne Beebe, who um, I think he retired this last year. And um, I had worked with him a lot on glass stuff. And he was like, we got to put in an equal opportunity. Like, got to let somebody know so the command can be investigated for harassment. And at this time, sexual orientation was not covered under equal opportunity. So there could not be an actual investigation based on sexual orientation. So the -hmm. command didn't get any kind of investigation. And so it was basically like, because they had a shit triad, this guy, his death and suicide and just the command climate for all the other sailors on that ship, there's nothing we could do about it. Mm. And then, you know, I, myself and, and Master Chief wrote point papers to submit up to include sexual orientation into equal opportunity. And then a year later, we get sexual orientation and equal opportunity. But it's a year too. Yeah, 20, 2018. Yeah. Right. That was, yeah, 2018. It changed. Well, yeah. But it was too late for that one sailor. And so, like, yeah. the same sailor who I started the program for, the trans man, um, it was after the initial repeal. Like, they were, they had stopped all the separations for people who were trans because they wanted to, like, a working group to see if it was feasible to have out trans people on the ship. And so I get a phone call from his wife at like one o'clock in the morning. And I was like, oh shit, because I knew he was on deployment. And Monica was like, so someone outed, someone outed Dylan. I'm like, what do you mean someone outed him? I guess like he had been at quarters one day. And sorry, I don't mean to vent, but like these stories are such, these, these are like cornerstone stories yeah, of good. my thing. Go ahead. Um, he was at quarters one day. And his chief is like, hey, you know, Duncan, I need you to go to admin. You got to sign something. And he's thinking he has to sign his page two or some shit. He goes up there and it's a letter separating him from the Navy because they found out that he was trans. And he hadn't told anyone on the ship. You know, he had stopped taking hormones because he knew he wasn't allowed to while on deployment. He's in the middle of the Gulf, by the way. Like, they're mm-hmm. in the middle of deployment. Again, he's the only breadwinner for the ship. And uh, so he calls his wife and is freaking out about it. And so she calls me about like, what do we do? I happen to have the guidance just in a word document about, Hey, they're halting all separations, blah, blah, blah. Send her the information sent, sent my buddy, the information on a ship. So he could have a hard copy, black and white. You cannot separate me right now for this. And so yeah. it saved him having to get immediately kicked off the ship. Kind of a thing. That's crazy. Man. So- so when you isn't it yeah like all he wanted to do was serve his country like he loved being in the navy and all the the bullshit rigmarole that he had to go through and that his family had to go through is just astounds me to this day like it drives me crazy just thinking about it like yeah yeah when you get these phone calls though are you taking them like is it like for you like personally is it like the bruce willis 
approach like, hey, all I wanted to do was come down here and do this today. Now I got to go save the world again or whatever like that. And that's like me making it crazy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But uh, or is, or is, or are you like, yo, I can't wait for another. Are you like at the phone line just waiting to get like, you know, a phone call? I usually when I get a phone call, it's not a good thing. Um, unless like I get like a Facebook mm-hmm. message of like, hey, can we start a chapter? And I'm like, hell yeah, I got my I got my glass folder on my computer and I can just copy and paste everything over to you. It's easy day. Um, especially when I was active duty, I felt I was more in the fight just because it was my day to day. Um so I could get like immediately, like, you know, I had the people higher ups that I could call. Like I have a, a Brigadier General Tammy Smith. Um, the, she's the highest ranking out gay person in the military. She just retired. Like I have her on like my Facebook and I can be like, mm-hmm. ma'am, I hate to bother you, but I need help with this and this. So having like having the gay network, so to speak, you know, multiple master chiefs, like uh, I don't know if y'all have heard of Kathy Hansen, master chief. She was the first female master chief on a carrier so she knew a bunch of people like being able to use a network to get help to people who needed it quickly as opposed to like an e5 from a little destroyer in san diego to try and stop separations and to do investigations like i i tried to utilize my network in a way that was the most efficient to try and solve problems Mm -hmm. um and also too like I mean, when the trans ban got repealed and then we woke up to a tweet from Trump that it got reinstated after all these people had just come. I was, I was just about to ask you about that. I was about to ask you about that. Yeah, like that. <laughs> I mean, waking up to that after we had fought so hard mm-hmm. and so many people mm-hmm. put their trust to come out and had been guaranteed and promised that it was safe to have that information come in the form of a tweet that all of that work you had done and all those people's lives who it mattered to were people that you knew and cared about, all of a sudden they're back in limbo again. You know? Yeah. And then no one ever like, does that mean they're gonna roll back? Don't ask, don't tell. Are they going to, you know, what are they gonna yeah, do? It was a weird, it was weird for yeah. me, you know, a weird phase for me, a, a, a straight man just wondering like how, you know, as a chief, like how do we approach information? You know mm-hmm. what I mean with that? So yeah. I'm listening to you, though. No, absolutely. I mean, and it's, it's that kind of stuff where when these big seismic shifts happen or when something on a more personal level happens, um, I got decently good at providing resources very quickly to people is like a triage kind of a thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, shit, you need this and this and this form. Cool. And I'm going to I'm going to call this guy who knows that chief and do it that way and just try and kind of put down like a blanket suppressant to try and give people time to work through these issues. Kind of. But when it comes to like that suicide, it's like, what else can you do except for just get just crushingly angry? About yeah. It? You know? yeah. Yeah. That's rough. And I think I've, I think I knew about the suicide, but I never, I don't think I've ever the story. known the yeah. story behind it. So I think you just gave me the story behind that suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to, so, cause I think we had like a full circle uh, moment here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I kind of like thinking about it, like reflecting on where you were in that. Um, I think it was like a barracks room or something as an E3 after drinking what Sam Adams, right? It was Sam yeah. Adams you had. You but know, I was drinking tequila at Sam Adams. The There's a brew pub. There was a brew oh, pub okay. on base, the Sam Adams. Yeah. 
Okay, so tequila, probably some regular cheap tequila oh, yeah. at the brew pub. <laughs> um, and just, you know, wanting to see something out of something that doesn't exist at all. To mm-hmm. 10 years, um, 10 year anniversary, you know, 10 years from, you know, that moment, maybe 11 years from that moment. Um, what do you think about the progress uh, with both Glass and the Navy as a whole? Um. I look at glass and it's kind of, uh, I, I feel like it's to the point now where it's self-sufficient. Like mm-hmm. I'll sit back and watch. Like I, I was in, uh, I was in Naples this last month and there was a sailor who I was working with and um, I had mentioned glass and um, he's like, Oh yeah. He's like, I remember when I was in Bahrain, there was a glass chapter. I was like, Oh yeah, I'm the, I'm the original founder of the program. And he started like almost crying and like wanted to give me a hug because of what it meant to him when he was there or knowing people who it affected and helped. Um, so it's, it's never been about me, about what I've done with it. It's been about what they people in these chapters have done for each other and been able to help each other and have it grow that way. Um, I feel incredibly, um, humbled and honored every time someone reaches out, like literally last night, someone reached out to me and I kind of just like showed my wife the like, Hey, look, I got another chapter. Um, you know, starting my, my great glass fleet, as I like to call it. Um, I, uh, I had this one Marine Corps, it was a gay Marine Corps officer before glass really kind of exploded. And he was part of another gay organization. And I remember this one time I was talking about, yeah, it'd be really great to start, you know, glass chapters out here in San Diego. And he knows shit. He was like, um, I think you need to be a little bit more, a significant rank to have that kind of impact. And that just pissed me off to the point where I was like, (laughs) Cool, 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 cool. And now I'm like over here laughing at, you know, probably over a hundred chapters of glass that we have military wide at this point. Um, Bam. But I, well, and that's, that's the thing. I was just like, I'm like, oh really? Okay. Like let's, let's fucking dance. Like let's do it. Like, you know, like, don't tell me I can't do it. I've already done it. Kind of a thing. Like, don't tell me it can't grow because there's a need in people who are actually actively wanting this to be a thing. And it's actually, actually helping people you know, at the deck plate level. Um, but yeah, I mean like 10 years looking back at like, you know, I, I returned home from my last deployment and the next day marriage equality was granted in the United States. Like the Supreme Court decision came down that next morning. And I was like, I've deployed, I was doing the same job as everybody else. And now that I am home, I just now have the same rights as everybody else. Hmm. You know? Yeah that kind of stuff. I mean, like we've, we've seen a lot of shit like repeal of DOMA, which allowed, you know, federal benefits to gay spouses and, you know, the Supreme court decisions. And now we have laws in like Florida where it's like, you can't say gay, you can't, you know, you can't teach gay history. Um, Texas, if you have a trans kid, the parents can be tried for child abuse. You know, you have these constant bombardment of things that just keep on coming up that are, not only affecting me personally and affecting the people who I know and care about personally, but affecting this whole swath of community. Um, you know, how do you, you know, you just got to kind of, you know, put your head up and funnel that frustration and anger into something productive. And I think that's just been kind of the hallmark of glass over the last decade. And definitely as a, as a scaffolding of my career, I mean, I've built, a framework of glass that I've used as my framework for everything else that I do, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so uh, 
what's next for you? What is next for me? Well, if I don't get recalled because Russia is being ridiculous, um, Mm -hmm. just, you know, doing my, my time here in the reserves. Like, again, like, um, trying to be the best yeoman I can be, which is kind of funny considering I'm basically trying to teach myself how to be a yeoman. Um, like I took the chief exam, like I made boards first time up, I'm hoping to make board again this year. Um, Good stuff. You know, continuing on that way and, you know, trying to take the opportunities that are presented to me as they come. Um, and also, you know, having a nice work-life balance where, you know, for the most part, I get to come home every day. Granted, I'm, if I'm not doing brewery work, I'm always doing Navy work, but you know, that's yeah. just the nature of the beast. But yeah, just trying to, Hey, Damon, we're going to have to swing by the brewery, man. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Colorado. Huh? You know, we got to say, if, if we're oh, yeah. in town, we're going to have to swing by the brewery for sure. Um, so I, I do want to, is it anything that we missed? I don't think so. I think um, I really do appreciate your, your willingness to be open and ask questions and, and see from, again, a perspective that you might not have already had. You know, I, Uh as a gay person, I would never expect a straight person to truly understand what it's like being gay. And I feel like I try and take that, that perspective of like, like, I am not a man. I am not disabled. I I am not a religious minority. Like I am not an ethnic minority. Like I'm not any of these things, but I try and keep my perspective of how much I would like support and people to believe my stories as a gay person, I feel helps me better relate to other people who might be facing some type of discrimination. So, you know, Okay. but so no, I, I definitely appreciate I'm going to put you on the spot real quick. Um, we do books. So we talk books. Uh, we get book suggestions from our guests uh, mm. a lot, like most episodes. We started out, you know, you said you went back. So if you went back, you know, we started out. Damon and I would have a book, you know, that we talked about. But at some point in Damon's life, you know, he got too busy to read. I'm a busy guy and I'm a busy guy. He got too busy to read. So it's just been me. It's just been me hanging on by thread with these books. So whenever we get a guest, I always try to see if the guest has a, you know, a book suggestion or any, it doesn't have to be a book. It could be a tech manual. It could be any kind of form of reference that you could suggest to the listeners or something that, you know, meant a lot to you. Do you have one? Um, so when I'm at the brewery, I work 12 hour shifts and I work overnight. Mm -hmm. So I usually just put in my earbuds and I'll like binge podcasts. Like I, I did a, I did an 11 hour binge on the revolutionary war. And I was insufferable for like days afterwards. I'm like, you guys want to talk about George Washington? And everyone's like, please leave us alone. Stop talking. Um, I did that too. I did that, oh my I God. Did that with him. He was a bad, George Washington was a, He's a badass. <laughs> like yeah. A fucking superstar. <laughs> I know. Right. Um, so obviously I would say like a revolutions podcast is great. Um, they do like American revolution, French revolution, Haitian revolution. Um, but I was actually reading a book right now called uh what we don't talk about when we talk about fat and this author um is a she's an author and a fast right activist and basically talks about how discrimination of people who are not normal size is Mm -hmm. so inherent in the country like talking about like the the racist um and eugenicist origin of the bmi 
why we still use it and how it doesn't actually have any indication of health and like trying to pull these pieces. Um, her name is Aubrey Gordon. Um, trying to pull these pieces into like, say the Navy, why do we, why do we use BMI as an indicator of health when it doesn't actually tell you how healthy a person is. It just tells you what their body fat is like. And even then it doesn't mm -hmm. do a good job at it. So I've been kind of trying to do deep dive into, um, things that normally I would not think about. Like I've never thought about say like people who are, who are obese or fat or anything like that. And about the discrimination that they inherit face in society. And it's been a great book because she talks a lot about her own experiences with like disordered eating and stuff that I know that a lot of our sailors deal with every time we have to do a weigh in, you know, about binging and purging and anorexia and all these sorts mm -hmm. of things that, you know, a lot of, especially female sailors have to deal with to try and stay within, within regs. So. Yeah. I mean, when I dealt with that as uh, when I was a heavier weight, I dealt with a doctor thinking that I was looking for an excuse to get out the Navy. I think I talked about it on, on some episode mm -hmm. here, but I remember yeah. being a heavier weight and having a knee injury and a doctor like, well, you know, what you trying to, you just trying to med board out or whatever. I'm like, yo, I'm yeah. an EP guy. Like I want to leave yeah. my division. I don't want to med board out. Then I remember I lost 90 pounds. And when I went back to that same doctor, like this dude was treating me like I was Michael Jordan. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Hey, dudes, whatever yeah. you want to do, boom, boom, boom. I'm like, damn, this is completely different mm. than the way you treated me when I was 270. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So it's a, it's a, and so I've been on both sides of the, you know, the fence. So I've seen mm -hmm. people act different because my weight was, was a little different. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And um, I Absolutely. learned a little bit how to maneuver when I gain, you know, a little bit about myself. <laughs> like I'm a little up in my weight right now, but I, I maneuver like a little <laughs> different where, I don't go through those same, you know, experiences that I, that I went through before. Yeah. Um, so my, um, my last big question uh, before we tell you how much we appreciate you is where can they find you if they are looking for you? So um, you can find me on Facebook at Ann Guyman. Like I'm pretty easy to find um, on Instagram. I'm gray sailor, G R A Y sailor. Cause it's, are you, all y'all listening, I got a almost full head of gray hair, even mm. though I'm in my early thirties. Um, all right. Um, or they can also email me. Um, if you like, again, if you're Navy and you want information on glass, um, I'm in the global, you can search and Guyman. Um, I'll pop up. always doesn't matter day or night. Um, I'm always happy to answer questions or talk to you about, you know, if you're going through anything, um, you know, I, I'm married to, married a therapist. So I've gotten a lot better at trying to communicate and help people who might be going through some hard times. Um, so yeah, just reach out if you have any questions or you want to touch base. Yeah. So, Hey, so congrats on 10 years, a uh, hundred chapters, uh, give or take over a hundred chapters. Um, thank you for sitting with us, uh, keeping Absolutely. it real. Keeping it real. Um, you listen, so I know you. You know, know to keep it real. So uh, we appreciate it. Um, and I, you always have. If you need any, you know, reference as far as uh, chief stuff and stuff like mm -hmm. that, you always have me um, as a reference. You know, I'm sure Damon will probably say the same thing when he, you know, you know, comes around. But like, I appreciate you. I, I'm probably gonna listen to this episode myself a few times. You know, to kind of make sure I'm educated on some stuff and. Um, 
yeah, if ever you need to come back around, if anything happens with class or if you need to come talk to us about anything else, just hit me up. Uh, we, we, I would love to have you, you know, come talk to us again. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And again, right, right back at you. If you have like any, like you were saying, like a potential family member or any sailors or whatever, even if it's not class related, like if they have any questions or if you have any questions outside of this, I'm always here to answer anything. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and hey, first off, great stories too. Oh my goodness, I, I can probably go back and 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 listen to this just because of the stories you got. You got some great stories. Um, but with, with that being said, hey, we're gonna give you flowers now, though. You know, what I mean, from from the time uh, with with all the stuff that's going on with you know not just being gay women and everything. Just remember, you're a part of that. You were you were part of that movement. You know, aware uh, everything's at right now in 2022. So, you know, sometimes you got to, you got to, you know, be humble. I know you, you always want to be humble, but you was part of that though, you know? So we want to give you your flowers for that. Um, but great having you on here. Hopefully we can have you on here again. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, man, it's great stories and, and most definitely um, glad to talk to you. Good to talk to you. Absolutely. Yeah. But again, she- thank you for, for giving me the platform and for also doing what y'all do in the podcast. Like again, like I've, Granted, I just did a huge deep dive of all of your, uh, <laughs> your back episodes. I'm like, I need to break this up a little bit. I need to listen to something that's not just you guys for a little bit. Like, try to break it up because I was just doing like hardcore, like full shifts of just you two. Hey, I'm like, all right. I hey, you know what's so funny? You know, you know what's, what's, what's funny is that we haven't brung up the whole episode on where we was from. And then you said it. So I know you have mm-hmm. been listening. <laughs> He's like, exactly, yeah, exactly. I was definitely. like, I'm like Philly and Mississippi, yeah. and you know, talking about like, oh, I was like, yeah, I'm like, yeah. like I didn't want to take notes and be like, you know, when you said this and this in this episode, you know, I didn't want to go that hard, but uh, yeah, I was most tempted to. Most so. Most no, but thank you guys so much for doing what you do, um, and allowing the ability to actually no shit permission to speak freely about, you know, the way that things actually are in the military. I really do appreciate it. Right. Well, thank, thank you. you. We still got to kick it for a little bit. We got to talk about this Band of Brothers episode that Damon didn't finish. But uh, we appreciate you and, you know, can't wait to talk to you again. That was great. That, oh, that was, was great. Really, really good conversation. I'm glad I was able to have it. You know what I'm saying? I, I learned a whole lot, a lot of stories. And I think that a lot of people going to enjoy that, you know, that aspect of uh, the podcast, like that episode, yeah, man. I think is going. This, this is, episode, this I think, is, is this going is to be good. probably, man. Like <laughs> when it comes to content and storylines and all this type of stuff, this is most definitely one of our best episodes. And I, I most definitely think our listeners going to love this, man. Um, like this was good. This was no shit. It was good, yeah. man. And I learned a lot because you know I, I'm from, like I was saying in the pod, man. I'm from Mississippi, man. This is you know the same what we talk about, you know, out loud. I mean, we know people, you know, whatever, but we don't like, it seems like a conversational we just always talking about. So this is a great conversation for me. Yeah. She schooled me on a pro I've like known about pronouns and stuff like that, but she broke some extra stuff down that I wasn't really tracking. Yeah, you guys lost like me on that, the pronouns, so. man. And you I had to like, hold up. Yeah. I'm glad, well, I'm glad you was able to get, you know, brought up to speed. Yeah, man. Like I was lost on that you know, one. Some good information, man. Yeah. Some real good stuff, man. Um, I, you know, would love to sit with her again. Um, Ryan one and Gaiman. All right. So, uh, here we go. Band of brothers, right? Episode seven, right? I'm starting to huff and puff at this point because when this show is over, 
I'm gonna miss it, you know. Yeah. So I'll I'll start off by saying this was my favorite episode so far, man. Like uh, uh like you know, and uh, I'm I'm gonna run through some stuff because I like like I, I think you're still watching it, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this was my favorite episode. Um. And I mean, like, if the fans don't know, to be transparent, you just got back. You just got back yeah. from Hawaii and just the dedication, man, and commitment to just come back and sit around the grind, man, around the grind. man. Admirable. I mean, so, yeah. So, um, you know, the first part, it's called the breaking point, right? Mm-hmm. And um, the first part, you know, the confessional where the guy come in and, you know, he's talking about just you never forget, like, these events, you know. Um, it's a lot of death in this episode. A lot. I think we see more people die in this episode than any other episode. Yeah. And if you halfway through, it's still more. Yeah. Um, so this is like January 2nd, 1945, um, Belgium, right there in Belgium. Um, who, you know, he pulled a cheddar bot, man, um, shot himself, you know? And at first I, first I was like, he pulled a cheddar bob and I thought it was funny. Uh, that's my brother calling me. It's his birthday. Let me see what he talk about. All right. So back to it. So if anybody hears, it's not going to be clean. That was at a point. My brother called me. He had a bachelor party for one of my friends who's getting married. Um, so they going crazy. So that was the edit point. But all right. So we back. So we're at, um, we're at everybody looking for Dyke, right? That's throughout the whole episode. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, where's Dyke? Where's Dyke? Where's Dyke? Um, and it's told this this episode's told from the point of view of Lipton. First Sergeant Lipton, man, it's the best. This to me is the best episode, best point of view, best, best everything, man. Um, and it's crazy how the show could take every single character and make them important. Like every mm-hmm. episode, like new character. So um, and he was talking about Dyke. He said Dyke wasn't a bad leader because he made bad decisions. He was a bad leader because he made no decisions. Poof. Um, and that, that was hardcore. You know, right that there. right, I know that stuck out, man. Um, it's funny because I'm going to give away most of the episode as I talk. Um, but you know, that whole aspect of talking shit about your leaders when they ain't around, like everybody was talking about Dyke, like Mm -hmm. whenever Dyke wasn't around, you know, they had something to say about Dyke, Mm -hmm. man. But Lipton, man, he did what you supposed to do, no matter how Mm -hmm. he felt about Dyke. He stopped, like he came and he, he kind of like stopped it. You know what I mean? Um. I think the editing was real sharp in this episode, especially when Winters was discussing uh, who could run Easy Company. It reminded me of something like Tarantino or uh, Scorsese would do, where you bring up somebody, then they go flashback scene. Uh, Buck Buck Compton was being considered the lead Easy, Easy Company at the time. It was Buck, so Buck was the guy they was thinking about. Um, you brought up how they how these guys be shaving, man. Like, like I think Winners was shaving in this episode. Is weird. Yeah, <laughs> these dudes crazy. staying squared away in the middle yeah. of like like war. Nowhere. Um, so Dyke, man, he really told Lip like he said, get things organized as he goes for help. You know what I'm saying? So these are guys that's like already they can't find you. You know, now you talking to your you talking to your set. You know, the guy that's in command of your troops. But you're the commanding officer of that, you know, that unit. And you tell this guy to get everybody together while you go, uh, you know, you go for help. And then it's like, remember the dude, I don't know where you got to it, but Joe, he, uh, one of the barrages, you know, ripped his leg off or whatever, mm-hmm. right? It did. Uh, it happened again. Like he got caught in a barrage again trying to get to safety. It, it's, it's, he said, what's a guy got to do to get killed around? Get killed, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> like I, I felt that funny, man. And then um, just for these guys to still have a sense of humor through all that was, you know, inspiring. Yeah, leg gone. Leg yeah, off. Yeah, he, he's that's why he talking. Talk gone. <laughs> uh, Buck Compton, man, he, he was messed up after that. Yeah. You know, I think got he got him. there. Like he just wasn't the same person after that, right? Yeah. Like it just was, and and they understood. Like it wasn't like they, you know, had no ill will toward him because of that. Um, that took him out the running for replacing Dyke. He was like the number one guy that they thought would replace Dyke. Um, I had a question for you. Do you think that people do what Lipton did for Dyke, uh, in the Navy now? Like, so for instance, you think a first class, a you know, go to a group of junior sellers and like, like speak well, you know, in representation of a chief um, in the midst of the junior sellers talking shit about them? Or do you think they would ignore it? If you do think it, what you think is the ratio of that? Well, like how first I'm going to say, I will hope they would. But do I think it happens? I will say no. I, but I also think it depends on the relationship that the chief had with the first class also, right? Because right. it's a lot of things like like people leave from all different, you know, ways they try to leave from. And um, one of those ways is, is if you bring in your first class in and he have more info than the troops may have, right? And yep. maybe he can explain some situations better than, you know, better to the troops than, you know, they don't know the whole stories. But if he in the same dark like everybody else, he probably he or she is probably gonna just join in. Like, yeah, he's not a good league. You know what I mean? May not yeah. know. So, but do I think because believe it or not, man, sometimes I be I mean, it's my opinion that I believe we 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 in a world where we trying to make people like us too much. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think we in a world making people like us, we kind of like sit back and just listen, even though we may want to say something, but we don't want to be that person. Now, these guys may not like me no more if I try to do this or I try to do that. So sometimes we in that in that type of environment. But some people don't understand is is you may get more respect by saying something, you know, what yeah. I mean, so but I just think that's what type of world we in right now, man, we want people to like us. So we may not, you know, come out and say things or take up for or whatever the case may be. Yeah. So I got a question for any anybody listening, uh, whether you're a junior seller or you've been in a position before. If you have been in that position where you heard somebody, you know, saying something bad about a superior and you didn't stop them, whether you agree with them or not, if and, but you didn't stop them, um, why didn't you? Is it a reason why? Is it, you know, something that you wanted to see happen or something that you felt strongly about that you didn't stop them? So pretty much if you never saw Band of Brothers, the the Dyke, Dyke was their commanding officer. He was pretty much defunct. He never was around. And the junior guys was talking shit about him. And then one of their, you know, more senior guys was like, you know, nah, you know, you pretty much nah, we can't do that. We don't do that. Don't do that. Um, or whatever. So if you hey, ever, what's up? I got a story because I know somebody like, well, somebody probably on the pod listening to me. Well, what? Have you ever been in that type of situation? I'm gonna give you guys. I'm gonna give you a real quick two two different scenarios that I was in before, um, and I will tell you what I done. Like it was, we had, in my opinion, we had, we didn't have a good chief, and me and my, you know, fellow first classes in the same division, we was talking about the chief, right? So it was like mm-hmm. us, you know, talking blah, blah blah, all type of shit or whatever. But then one day we was all together and we had. Um, junior sailors around 
And the second class said something about the chief. And I stepped in. Yeah. And mostly because of all the junior, regardless, I don't want the junior sailors to hear us, you know what I mean, having conversations like that. You know, you got E3s, E2s, whatever around. So I kind of cut it off right there. But that was the difference in me being with my peers, talking first, you know, first classes, and then, you know, a lot of junior sailors around too. So that was kind of one of the scenarios that I had before in my career. Yeah. And yeah, it's just a it's just a thing I'm interested in if the uh yeah, yeah, most definitely. do it, right? Um hit after hit, they they kept taking hits, man. Eventually I can't wait till I get to where you didn't where I get to the part that you didn't see yet. So a dud hit a foxhole, right? And then another shell hit that wasn't a dud and two two other people died. It took a lot out of Lip to make that report about Dyke. So Lip went to winners and told winners that Dyke was an empty uniform. I don't know if you saw that part. But Lip Lip actually went to winners and talked to him. And he was like, hey, you know, uh, and he was like real humbled. And it was Lip, man. He's stand up guy, man. But he was saying he believed that lives would be lost on account of Dyke. Um, and he's like, he's an empty uniform. We already know that Winners kind of knows that. Like every time he mm-hmm. look back and say, hey, right, Dyke. And then Dyke is like gone. Um, Dyke crapped out, man. He crapped out. He froze. He couldn't make a decision. Like the shit went down, bro. Like Oh, they went, mean, oh shit. I got to yeah, watch shit this. Went down. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it went down. Dyke froze. He froze. Mm. He couldn't make a decision. He crapped out. He caused people to die. What he was wow. saying to do caused people to die. It's people in his face. Like, what's next? What's so he got people in his face saying what to do. He giving them bad orders. Then he also got the people telling him that winners is on a phone trying to get in contact with him or whatever. And he's not grabbing a phone. So he got things coming from all over. He he couldn't make it, man. He wasn't cut out for it. Um, like I said, this is my favorite episode. I think because I could relate to it the most, right? So I've been in Lipton's position and I've been in winner's position before. I've been in a position of um the the um junior seller that like was caught up in a mix and felt like I was under somebody that wasn't doing their greatest. Um then I've been in a position of a superior who had a junior seller that approached me because they felt like the person between us um wasn't doing their greatest. So I've been in that position uh you know uh, uh a few ways. So Spears came in, yo, the dude. So, you know, I'm spoiling it for you, of course, because we're reviewing it for this yeah, episode, right? That's fine. But uh, so oh boy gets pulled, right? He done. Uh Dyke, he gets pulled. They Dyke. pull this dude named Spears in that they talked about, you know, some rumors about him just being the man. Um, he came in, he laid the play down, man. And he led from the front. He laid the play down properly. He led from the front, man. Like he runs through enemy fire. Like he's like just a su- oh, he like yeah. superheroes. He he go through enemy fire. They don't even shoot him, yo. He's just like they like shocked yeah. that he doing it. Like he go in, he run the play. Good. He take over. He get the men in there, and they you know they get a little dubbed. Then this sniper gets weird, and I ain't gonna get that up as a spoiler. Uh, Lip is the man uh, for that move that he did uh, to kind of. To come to sp- sniper, but I don't want to talk about the sniper thing. You gotta watch it though. Lip is the man, super humble, real cool man. Donnie Wahlberg, good stuff. Um, the episode ended, one of the best ends of an episode, man. I kind of don't want to give it away now because you ain't. You gotta watch it though. This, out of all of the episodes, this one ended really good with some real good news and a really good scene, man. Really good, man. Real good episode. 
Good, man. That's good. I'm, I'm, I'm almost definitely going to finish it, man. But I, I just wanted to say about the part that I, you know, got to, which I got like, I think 40 some minutes in. Um, and it was like, uh, it was the breaking point, man. Everybody, yeah. it was a lot, and all the stuff you said, but it was multiple people broke in this, in this one, man. Um, in this episode yeah. is a lot of death and a lot of people broke in this one, man. And a lot of people we've been watching for a long time, yeah. either did or, you know, out the fight, you know, yeah, so. Yeah, man, it was a lot of that in this. It was it was most definitely um, good as hell from the time I watched it anyway. So I can't wait to finish it now, man. But a good movie, I mean, a good TV show, man. It's, it seems like every episode is getting better. Yeah. All right. Well, I gotta get back to my brother because he going crazy on Facetime. So I need to see what he's doing and talking about. And um, I might run out of recording time on my camera. Yeah, but man, hey, for sure. but we missed a week, guys, and we missed you. I, I've I missed I missed you guys last week for some weird reason, right? Yeah, so man. I, like, um, we came back, and hopefully, we came back with a really good episode. Bingo. Yeah, bingo. <laughs> you know, hopefully, we came back with a real good episode. We can't wait to see you again. Uh, Women's History Month. We love uh, everybody, all the fans, all the women. I'm signing out. Peace out, this Damo. Mississippi stand up. <laughs>